Okay, hello and welcome to the Fun Filter Podcast. I'm once again joined by Jordan. Hello. And Samuel. Hello. How are we all? Who are you? I'm Eddie. Who are you to discuss that? Right. <laughs> if if one of us introduces, surely it's the same person that's usually with yeah, the other but two. We don't, you know. <laughs> Someone could be listening to this for the first time. It's like, who is this mystery man that is is just in my life all of a sudden? <laughs> Same yeah. dickhead that will be in every other episode, probably. Unreliable narrator. <laughs> um, I'm all right. Yeah, pretty good, actually. Yeah. I, uh, How's the sciatica? Oh, that's... Uh, I mean, the lasting... It, it's definitely lasted longer than it ever has before, but it's... Mm. Um, I mean, I, I'm mo- I'm basically mobile now. I'm mo- I move about as much as I would anyway, which, to be fair, isn't that much. <laughs> But right. the, the lasting kind of damage is that when I put on a pair of pants or a pair of trousers, when I can balance on one leg to lift up the other to put to slide up one pant, mm-hmm. I can't do it with the other leg. I can't like put all my weight onto one leg. Right. But other than that, there there are zero impediment. Okay. I, I'm currently experiencing this a, a, a same issue, but because of my knee. So you got a bad knee. Yeah. Uh, Have it, you got a bad knee? Uh, from all I, that running is well, it? I've been running to, I ran too far that's what it was okay um, <laughs> but yes it, it has impeded the ability to stand on one leg while you try and put on clothes um, right okay. which it does just create a lovely pathetic image of me trying to wrestle clothes onto myself while sat on the bed well I, I thought I thought you were just going to say it has impeded the ability to stand on one leg as if like a basic right has been stripped from you <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I need to be able to stand on one leg. <laughs> it's important. It's important. To um, me. I do like the mental image. I mean, we'll. Um, everyone knows that at the moment we're go- we're sort of going through all of Doctor Who, so it's something we'll come to later. But it's in the waters of Mars, isn't it? After the Doctor does a thing, and he and the camera like zooms in, and he goes, "I've gone too far." I just had that image yeah. of you, like after you've been running, Eddie, <laughs> you're just suddenly like in the middle of nowhere, you turn around, it's like I've gone too far. I've run too far. <laughs> Is that reminiscent of your acid trip, George? <laughs> well, that's, that's not staying in. <laughs> Why not? You can't just slide that in. It's not, that's the thing. It's not a casual conversation. So it's not well, something you can just like, oh, well, just, I'll just put that in as like a throwaway, you know. Yeah, That becomes the podcast if you're going to bring that uh, up. I mean, George, we have basically admitted, I feel like at this point, that we've all done drugs of some kind at some point. <laughs> I don't think we have. I think we've been pretty... We've sort of... We've been... Um, we've joked about the line, at it. least, anyway. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But no, I don't think anyone listening would know, like, oh, they've definitely done... They've definitely been <laughs> right, naughty. Right, okay, you know? well, without diving in and making it the podcast, long story short, Jordan dropped... We all dropped acid. Well, Eddie wasn't with us. Uh, Jordan and I dropped acid with some other people, and Jordan thought that he was trapped in a loop. That's the short story. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we're just not going to expand on that. We're maybe, okay. <laughs> just going to throw that what, nugget of like, if, tell us more. No. If the listeners really want that story, they can write in. They can comment and ask for the... Because <laughs> we will. So leave a comment under the video if you want us to expound on that story um, at some point, and we will. We'll just do a, uh, we'll just do a drugs-heavy episode. Drugs-heavy in the sense that we will be n- narcotized in the episode I mean or, well, I mean, we could do that too I was thinking more we just go full and just talk about taking drugs but just talk about gonna, taking that drugs that would be impossible to edit <laughs> if we were on drugs what you take out yeah I think that's what if you, you just if, you're, that if, that if it's run, just right? like the whole uh, recording is just a trip mm. like you, what you the would hell definitely... do you take out but also you can't keep, leave it all in can you but tell you what even if it's just an entirely self-interested kind of move it would be interesting to observe the disjunct between the perception and the reality 
because the reality of that audio is just going to be us barely speaking to each other. <laughs> That's the thing. It's going to be utter just, nonsense. Yeah, just you know? starting sentences and then losing the train of thought. And like maybe there'd be one gem in there. That, oh man, that was a psychedelic kind of, you know, <laughs> utterance. But other than that... Are either of you, feel, like are either it, of you familiar with um, Goop? Goop. Goop. No. Goop. The Gwyneth Paltrow beauty oh. uh, snake oil, whatever it is. No, uh, no. What? What? A, a video. Well, no. It's this company she's got. It's this beauty like. Health oh yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with Goop. Yeah, she, yeah. It's it recently got its own Netflix series. I don't know if either of you are familiar with that. Right. No. 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 I say it recently. This was like back in January. I'm. I only know about it because like other people on YouTube have covered it. Okay. But the first episode of that is. I think the premise of the series. I think it's called the Goop Lab with Gwyneth Paltrow. That's the right. name of the series. It's like yeah. six episodes long. The premise is they're basically on the hunt for like these useful alternative health techniques. Right. I think that's the idea. There's an episode with um oh, the fuck's his name? There's that like there's like this Dutch guy who like submerges himself in cold water. Right. I don't know if either of you are familiar with him. <laughs> no. He sounds okay. like a dumb prick, I'm not gonna lie. That <laughs> is he perennially erect? <laughs> <laughs> No, it would have the opposite effect, surely. No, that's what I mean. So, like, he has to keep submerging himself in oh, I see. ice cold okay. water. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, no, didn't they recently release, like, a patently absurd product? Oh, well, most of like them are. There was, um... No, no, but I mean, like, oh, it, it smelled, it was, like, vagina-scented, right? Vagi- I mean, yeah, I think they've got vagina-scented products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then. What? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, the fuck got... is this? Sorry, goop vagina scent. Yeah. So what what does what is the scent of Paltrow's pussy? Is it like parmalite yeah. or something? Because <laughs> she's not. It's not. It's not oh. going to be like a, a meaty, cheesy stench, is it? She's bound to have somehow fabricated some <laughs> it's bullshit like about fishy, tunery. Like it's not going to be no, that. Is it? Oh, it smells like a meadow or some crap <laughs> like that. Uh, geranium, citrusy, bergamot, and cedar absolutes juxtaposed with damask rose and ambrette seed or ambrette seed. Seed her. <laughs> Okay. Right, so back to Well, no, the, I was going to say, the reason I brought that up is because the first episode, the her crew, she has like a like a bunch of people who work for the company, they all go to Jamaica and just do magic mushrooms. Right. Because apparently that's healthy. I don't know. For inspiration. No, no, just like to see if it makes them healthy or something. Right. I don't know. I haven't seen the actual episode. They, I've only seen the coverage. When you say they go to Jamaica to do magic mushrooms to see if it makes them healthy, are they going to Jamaica to sample gastronomically mushrooms that improve your health or are they dropping no they're dropping you know, uh, psilocybin okay yeah. um, you really don't have to go to Jamaica for magic mushrooms <laughs> no. you don't but if you're making a TV show in which everyone is dropping mash- magic mushrooms there might be you know I don't know how oh, you get I permissions suppose. for that in like you know Planethly or wherever <laughs> well I don't know like they um, do those documentaries where they get people to drop acid and just go to like monster they do that was and- the other one yeah but the, the reason I brought up the Gwyneth Paltrow one is because um, I think just because virtue of like the program I was skeptical about whether they were even doing it it's mm. gonna be like oh no this is gonna be like you know they're just gonna be like oh some weird man it's gonna be that typical you know people who've clearly never done drugs in their life depicting themselves taking drugs right where they smoke weed and they act as though they're like on cocaine or they're really drunk or something yeah um but <laughs> they're like they focus on this one guy who's like lying on the ground like you know really like curled up and like crying and he's like I feel like I'm the light at the center of the circle. Okay. And that, <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe he is actually on drugs. Right. <laughs> That's something someone who's taken psilocybin would definitely say. Mm. I don't know why, but I really feel like I might just buy you the candle for your birthday, Jord, so you're going to 
that can be your birthday present. Is it present a candle, year, a pussy just... scented candle? Yeah. Oh, right. We jump oh. back to that. I see, I see what's happened there. <laughs> but there's magic mushrooms candles. I thought it was perfume. No, so it's candles. There's a candle. Right, okay. So there's wax that smells like her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right, okay. But yeah, on that, on, on that note. I've been how, doing all right. How, yeah. <laughs> um, I've left Facebook. Yep, okay. Personally, I've left Facebook as opposed to professionally. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, uh, I've been thinking about it a lot. It was a fairly impulsive decision. And I think it's easy to kind of rationalize, oh, I did it because it kind of, it's this simulation of communion and the sense that I actually know these people that I haven't seen in years or months. Um, it's just a completely artificial feeling. But I think the truth of it is it's a, it's a personal restriction. It's, I don't want the temptation uh, of the dopamine hit of putting something out there and it getting likes. Mm. So it's more for my own benefit in the sense of, I mean, I am fairly indifferent to what people post on it because, you know, Facebook now is mainly just memes and, well, pictures. I, I When you see an actual written post, like, oh my God, someone's written something. Yeah. But that is vacuous and terrible, but it is more just, I don't want to be someone who posts on Facebook. Because I do put at least a fraction of thought into the things I write. And it's a fraction that's wasted. Mm. You know? Right. It should go elsewhere. Because no one cares. Nor should they. I don't care about them. <laughs> so let's just call it quits. <laughs> I'll say, following on from... when you t- Obviously, we talked about you leaving Facebook at the weekend when we sort of had a chat together. And following yeah. on from that, I did eventually get rid of WhatsApp. Uh, not WhatsApp. Uh, Snapchat. Oh, okay. Because um, I don't really use it. And I did call my Facebook friends. You're like again. one of the four people I had on Snapchat. And now I've, got, <laughs> I've only got like three people left. Well, the the thing is, I didn't tell anyone. I just like got rid of it. And then the two like the two people I spend most of my time talking to on Snapchat both like messaged me. One on Facebook, one on Instagram, and was just like, "Have you deleted me off Snapchat?" I was like, "No, nah, I just got rid of it." Like, oh, I thought. thought so. That's a question, Sam. How many people noticed that you departed from Facebook? Um. Well, to my knowledge, that have kind of flagged up their awareness, um, like two. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should point out, I haven't deleted my account. I've unfriended everybody and unfollowed everything. So there's just nothing there, you know? But again, the fact that, like, just using words like oh, unfriend, it just doesn't matter, does it? It just does Facebook has become such an integral part of life. And I'm not denying that. I'm not trying to say, oh, we none of us need this thing. Obviously it's important in for communication. Like, it's just, it's how people communicate now. And you're being sort of, I think it's a level, a stage too far to completely distance yourself from it because you're just ignoring, you're being too idealist. You're just ignoring the reality that it's yeah, a Yeah, there's, li- there's a limit, isn't it? Like, going completely yeah. cold tor- turkey. Cold turkey? Going completely <laughs> cold, cold turkey. And just like, oh yes, I don't message. I don't have an mm. account. I am, you know... I'm one of the good ones. It's well, like, if it, yeah, that that feels like posturing more than anything else, doesn't it? Of like, I'm going to make a also show. That. It I also doesn't leaving. help that those people who don't have Facebook are always thoroughly unlikable because they think that not having Facebook is like, I'm a better person. Yeah, you yeah, should, yeah. You should You should delete your Facebook too because you'll be a better person too. Yeah, it's it's that thing of um, not having Facebook is, is a personality. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's, I mean, everyone yeah, needs to have a healthy relationship with it. I'm not saying that like, you know, yeah. oh, eat the slop, you pigs. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if for you, if like getting rid of it entirely is your way of having a healthy relationship with it, that is to say getting rid of the... Um, the account rather than the messaging service then you know that's how you do it yeah but no i think it's good to practice 
sort of having a healthy relationship with it. Like I keep it, yeah, yeah. I keep it open on my phone in case somebody messages me. But I always make an effort of like, you know, I'm I'll, I'll I won't look at my timeline. I'll look at it maybe once just to see if there's anything worth seeing. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, I still reflexively occasionally open my phone and click on the timeline to see what's happened. And obviously there's yeah. nothing there. And that's happening less and less because I'm kind of uneducating myself out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, this is, I'm not evangelizing. I'm not saying everybody should unfriend everybody. I'm not saying that at all. I just think it, well, it's, it's purely an individual thing. And I don't think that I had like a deeply unhealthy relationship with it. I wasn't seeking approval constantly. I wasn't posting narcissistic images of myself or kind of yeah. anything like that. It was more just, I, I okay, what I, what I would evangelize about is, well, an examined life, right? So like, because you just take these things as a given. Why don't you actually think about what it means to be on Facebook and to what degree and all these different things? Because yeah, it's it's thoughts like, I feel fairly abreast of the developments of people's in people's lives and following pregnancies and engagements and all these things. Mm. And while it's kind of nice to sort of see that people of whom you're fond are prospering in different ways, it's more just... But I don't. I don't know these people. I don't know these people. You know what I mean? It's. Yeah. I, I don't. It's. 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 It. It is artificial in that sense. And we were talking about this, me and Eddie, about how like it started with obviously you had to see people to talk to them, then mm. phone calls, and then emails were a big thing at one point, then texting, and now it's like, and I'm not the first person to make this point. It's sort of like an imposition if you call somebody. It's like, why are they phoning me? It's like. <laughs> Do you know what well, I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's a whole like catalog memes, isn't there? About like p- the anxiety people get whenever their phone rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the Ozzy Osbourne one? I don't. It's know. like uh, phone rings, and then there's a picture of Ozzy Osbourne going, "What the fuck is that?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it's like you've got to carve out an appointment if yeah. you want to call somebody. I had a friend, um, um, a guy that I sort of like after university, I sort of uh, worked with him for a little bit on yeah. like uh, short films and stuff, and he would always call me. Yeah, yeah. And I was always like. Not because I didn't want to speak to him, at least, you know, initially. Mm. It was just the fact that, like, right, I know this phone call is going to last, like, two or three hours. I know a lot of this is just going to be him going, oh, so this happened. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't... What do I really say to this? You know? I don't... I go, And again, I'm not saying... I'm not going 100% Luddite again and saying we need to get back to a point where we have to go see each other to talk, though that would be nice. Mm. It's more just... It's clearly... It's, it's being broken down bit by bit all the time like snapchat is just pictures and pictures that you don't even get to keep yeah yeah i really don't want to be one of those people that's saying all these kids and their devices because i think there is some benefit but i think you're like again just some self-examination if there's no cost like we've got to preserve something (laughs) you know like (laughs) yeah um, the kind of purity of communication and yeah, I'm not a big fan of um, phone calls that go on for two... Like, they, they irritate me as well, like, two, three hours. I don't like hangout phone calls, where it's like, there is zero purpose to the mm. call. And mm. though, you know, I'm grateful for the blah, blah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you sound it, Sam. Yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, it's kind of not... Like, I'll be with people, and they're trying to figure out something, not urgent, but that has a time imperative to it of like, oh, we got to figure out when we're going to meet them. We're supposed to meet in two minutes and I don't know where they are. You're going to message them. It's like, they have to see that they're probably walking. They have to see they've had a message on Facebook, open it, then type their own, just call them. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like instant thing. So things like that bug me when the easiest thing for all parties would be just to have an actual conversation. <laughs> 
Um, I don't know. I think we've we talked about this before as well. I don't know whether it was on the podcast or not. But like, if technology like stopped in the nineties, like we had, it was as efficient as it was today. But if like it just stayed where it was in the nineties, like you you had to if you wanted to speak to someone, you had to call them on the phone. Or if you wanted to, you know, yeah. Um, video games kind of they stopped all this kind of like nonsense of like online play that you have to pay for and yeah, yeah. Like it's nice to have games like Doom Eternal and Bloodborne, but like the games you had like on the PS2, PS2 was definitely the highlight of gaming. I don't think we'll yeah. ever gaming will ever be as good as it was during the PS2 era. No, no. And yeah, there was just less like social media didn't exist in the nineties. There was just l- less nonsense, mm. you know. Yeah, I mean, like you know, the grass is always greener back when, sort of thing. Um, and yeah. we were born in the, I mean, we don't really have memories, substantive memories of the nineties, obviously, no. but as an idea, you know, there's, there's that supersonic, you know, the, the documentary supersonic where I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast where, you know, they gig at, was it Nebworth, uh, that have I think so, yeah. however many hundreds of thousands of people and like a fairly large percentage of the British population applied for tickets to that. The point is made in that documentary about, um, well, this just won't happen again. It can't yeah. happen again, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is a shame. Uh, again, social media's had some benefits. I'm, I don't want to deny that. Like, revolutions in the Arab world. Yeah. The Arab Spring is like is a function of Twitter, essentially. Mm. Things like that are great. But overall, I think the, lo- the net loss is significantly larger than the net benefit. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this podcast we're recording now wouldn't have been possible in no, the exactly, 90s yeah. or early 2000s. So yeah, maybe maybe I shouldn't have been so like, oh, it was better, we should go back to that. No, I think, but... I think what I I think what I want is kind of the option, you know? Yeah. It's it, like, technology is great nowadays in that it's so efficient and cheap and we're able to do mm. things like, you know, record a podcast and then just release it online and the world can see it. The world isn't seeing it, granted. But <laughs> they can hear it. Yeah, the world can hear it. Yeah. Well, they're not even listening to it at the moment. Oh, the world, no. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Or anyone in it. But I think what I, what I miss is, or what I would like is sort of the option to kind of um disconnect yeah and it doesn't feel like that's really an option anymore not that i'm not saying like oh you know it's not one of those things of like oh i would stop using technology but i can't so you know yeah yeah obviously i can but the the world doesn't disconnect anymore No. no and it'd be nice to still see instances of that kind of happening you know that kind of culture again in the culture of the 90s where you can where it wasn't just constantly like oh we're all connected and we're all constantly paying for things and we're all constantly like yeah. you know and obviously one of the benefits is as you say the ability to cheaply produce and disseminate a podcast yeah you know the existence of podcasts but at the same time as we've talked about before fewer people would have the opportunity to think that they had talents worth offering <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. there'd be much fewer people trying to be filmmakers and you know making shit films you just because it was harder yeah you know? well not harder yeah I guess it was it, it was definitely hard to get your stuff out there but you had to really want it to you know to become something in that field yeah you know there, there existed the possibility of you're a band and you play at this club one night and an agent spots you and you're signed. That's exactly what happened to Oasis, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you watch footage of that that gig, it's not the greatest gig in the world. It's like, it's all right. Yeah. They're just like any other band, but they got signed. They became... You can't do that anymore because you have to be putting your shit for free on what Spotify. And, yeah, you know, yeah. someone SoundCloud is more likely to get discovered because they put their content on YouTube than any other way now. Yeah, but... Isn't that how... Um... Bieber... 
Yeah, Bieber's yeah, Bieber, the, Bieber is the big one. Bieber, that happened to... What's Childish Gambino's name? Can't remember his fucking name. Donald Glover. Oh, Donald yeah. Glover, yeah. That happened to Donald Glover as well, I think. What, you two? Um... I think so, yeah. Well, there's, there's quite a few. Like, oh, I don't know. Hang on, just very because Don Glover was a um, he was a writer on Thirty Rock, yeah, and then he was an actor in Community, and then I feel like his musical career really took off. Okay, I'm pretty sure there's like you can find videos of him on YouTube when he clearly before he's famous, like with a guitar singing and stuff. Oh, okay, all right, but okay, fair enough. But I, I don't think he was like discovered on YouTube, if you know what I mean. Right. Okay. Well, then Bo Burnham, maybe that would be yes, Bo Burnham. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like like a stand-up comedian who's just come from the internet. He's, he's had yes. no. I think he he's he said before in interviews, isn't he? He didn't do the clubs and he didn't do the the free gigs and the dive bars and stuff. And that's sort of yeah. A lot of people resent him for that. Well, he, he seems to have just come in famous. Well, he says, doesn't he? He feels like he's kind of an imposter. Like there's a kind of um, an imposter syndrome where you haven't earned it because you haven't had those sweaty, beer stained, you know, experiences. Ricky Gervais has said the same thing. Obviously, yeah. he found fame a lot later. But he went from the office in, into being a professional stand-up selling out arenas. And he said that he feels like he hasn't earned it in a way because he didn't, there wasn't that grind, you know? Yeah. Mm. No, but they, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, I can completely understand that. And when that is, when the grind is sort of considered the quote-unquote official way of getting into that business, then yeah, you can absolutely feel that. The thing with Bo Burnham, though, is that he released his content online to probably lots and lots of... Um, uh, criticism and critical comments and people being like, oh, you suck, and yeah, yeah, just yeah. the sheer quantity of that. Whereas with Ricky Gervais, you know, he made a TV show. Yeah. A TV show that was, I don't I don't know if it was one of the first of its kind, but it was certainly a revolutionary in its genre. Mm-hmm. Were there mockumentaries before The Office came along? Oh, yeah, yeah, like Spinal Tap and stuff. But I feel like The Office yeah, came yeah. along. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. The, 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 the most famous one. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but like The Office came along in the age of... Uh, so in the early noughties, there was a raft of shows about like people who worked in airports and things like that. And they were making celebrities of yes. quote-unquote normal people. Yeah. Obviously, this was before X Factor, before maybe before American Idol. I think it was. 2001? Yeah, yeah. The Office 2001. I th- yeah. Maybe the same year. But uh, yes, so it, de- it came along at like the perfect time basically yeah. yeah so they have is that the... earned it they've just earned it in different ways you know? yeah yeah i, I th- obviously mm. i would say that if you're a stand-up comedian that idea of making your way through the kind of the seedy dive bars and getting glasses thrown at you and stuff like that i think that's a more res- this is just a personal thing a more respectable way of doing it i i like that kind of journeyman you travel the country in a car and you you survive on shit food yeah but you can point to that and go oh that's a struggle you yeah. struggle to yeah, get yeah, where yeah. you are Whereas with Bo Burnham, when he says, like, oh, there are all these, like, terrible, hateful, like, disgusting comments that I was getting. Like, someone can just dismissively go, oh, just don't read them then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though that's, you know, that's, in order to engage with the audience, you have to see what your audience is saying. Yeah, so I mean, you have to I mean, it's not comments. equivalent, is it? I, I don't think it's equivalent, like... No, but I don't think it's any lesser, either. I don't think it's, like... No, I, th- a, I, think, any... I think it is. I think it is. Because I don't, I don't think it's... He's probably, in terms of quantity, received much more abuse than you're gonna get in a bar or whatever oh yeah but yeah. The, it, it it just is less it means less you know it's um there's less weight to it if someone there's a snarky comment on a youtube video genuinely who gives a fuck if you're in a club and you're playing to people who just are staring at you stony faced not laughing or getting angry and throwing shit at you and calling names at you that is just that is an empirically like worst experience oh yeah right yeah it's it's significantly less human endeavor mm. Yeah, I would say just circling back to the office. Is that was that the first like big UK show 
that the Americans remade. Uh, no, they were planted. I mean, plenty of British sitcoms were remade in, like, the 80s and the 70s. Uh, a lot of kind of quintessential American sitcoms are based on British sitcoms. Well, I was gonna say, in, well in terms of remake, then, the, the big, like, success, because obviously The Office USA is a oh, it's roaring success. Oh, hands down, pro- it's probably the biggest kind of international hit, yeah. And yeah. it probably made way for loads more doing that, but... Like Sanford and Son, which is a golden era of American comedy sitcom that's based on Steptoe and Son. Oh, okay. There's there's plenty like that in the eighties and I know we started doing it. We started remaking American comedies, but I think ours are always worse. <laughs> Like, every time. No, a lot no, of the time, theirs are, but... I would yeah. say, n- nothing is going to beat how bad the in-between is USA is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is yeah. so horrific on, like, a I whole other level. I couldn't even bring myself to watch it. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, I'm not the biggest fan I'm... of the in-between is anyway, but just, like, the idea... Like, how... I don't understand. I genuinely don't understand how you can translate the in-between is to an American audience. Well, they made, J- because... they made Jay fat. <laughs> Yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, it's not that, like, oh, like, horny teenage boys is something that America doesn't have. It's just, like, the the trappings of that show, it feels so British, you yeah. know? Yeah, but America had their own kind of version in films in American Pie. Yeah, yeah, they've like, done it. That was your awkward, like, young person thing. That's very true, actually, yeah. Maybe 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 a well uh, localized version of the in between us is basically just an inferior American pie or mm. like a typical American pie ripoff, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the problem is, is is that the Americans I don't mean for this to be a sweeping statement because there's plenty, tons of American comedy shows that I love. But Okay, when the mo- when you're thinking, right, we're going to remake The Inbetweeners, because I think it was MTV or something that remade it as well. Yeah. Oh, when you remake The Inbetweeners in America, or Gavin and Stacey, as they were going to do. <laughs> that, that, that was yeah, bad, like, too. Yeah, how the hell do you remake Gavin and Stacey? That, that's, I mean, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? It's just you get- uh, they, they called it Stacey and Gavin. <laughs> no, I mean, like, that's the case if you just, you get someone from, like, the South and someone from New York, you know, Obviously, it's no. I mean, yeah, that's the obvious thing you do, but it's more like what sort of places in America have a relationship that's sort of comparable to England and Wales? You know, that's part. It's not just oh, look at the English now, look at the Welsh and laugh. It's the almost tension between the two. It's like a. It's not quite Romeo and Juliet because they all basically get on, but it is um, that kind of starting point isn't it this these two families from very different walks of life that, yeah you know there's a bit of an uneasy history there no 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 I, I mean i don't think i mean look let's face it for the most part that that is just a that's a punchline rivalry right it's not it's not a genuine it's not india and pakistan it's not oh, no it's a very yeah it's a, very, it's a like, playful almost passive aggressive rivalry. yeah it's a you know? play obviously historically not so, not so but it's a a playful oh we want to beat each other at the rugby sort of uh, relationship yeah it doesn't really matter i mean there are jokes in gavin and stacy that spring from that kind of when pam says you leak munching sheep shagger or whatever <laughs> but that's not like oh my god a welsh girl and a uh you know an english boy that's not really at the heart of the show it's more just the fact that these families you know there's a distance and they know nothing about each other's families so it's more about the uh fish out of water thing i would say and then the families have to meet each other the fact it's all happening so quickly but the point I was going to make is that if you're remaking those shows for an American audience, surely basically the only motivation is financial. Yeah. In which case, yeah, like the in-betweeners in an American context 
it doesn't work. Because, yeah, you can do those horny, again, the horny geek boy thing. Yeah. But, yeah, it just has a different feel. You can't translate the feel of that to uh, America because the way their school system works is different to the way our school system works. Like, yes. going yeah. to a comp is just a fundamentally different experience to going to a high school. Because we're shitter. We just are shitter. It's all smaller. We don't get the... Um, I think, like, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, when they made Cemetery Junction... The big motivation behind that was we don't have like a Bruce a Bruce Springsteen. We don't have these teenagers want to bust out of this town, this coming of age thing. We don't really have that because when you go for a, a road trip in England, you end up in, you know, Nottingham <laughs> or whatever. You end up just nowhere. It's all just the same and just kind of bleak and grey and... Whereas America, you've got the Rockies and you've got deserts. And, yeah, there's know. a whole... Um... It's sort of like Red Dead, isn't it? I know it's it's far more condensed than yeah. Red Dead, but you have like snowy mountains and open plains and like lush forestry and the, all these different environments. Mm. Whereas in Wales and England, and it's mostly just kind of like yeah, it's a bit grassy. Yeah, yeah, and it's, there's some factories over there. You know, that's basically yeah, it. and it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's that thing like the American over here are ball, you know, or as it may, may not be called prom, you know, our discos. Yeah. They're kind of, they're always shit because they're in these little assembly <laughs> halls and it just reminds you of like a village fate where a bouncy castle should be and the teachers are just standing at the side and it's all awkward. In America, they've got prom, you know, it's like a, it's yeah. a deal. You've got prom king and prom queen. Parochial doesn't quite work the same way in American. Also, there's no threat because like when Americans finish high school, they're still too young to drink. Yeah, yeah. So you're they're like, oh, we're rule breakers. We're gonna like party. We're gonna you know fuck the man. Mm. Whereas in Britain, by the time you finish school, most people are of legal legal drinking age anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like you've already, kind or of, at least they've been down the pub anyway. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and you start drinking when you're like 14 in Britain anyway. So yeah. you know, yeah. By the time you get to prom, it's like, oh yeah, drinking. Of course, I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Any attempt at a prom over here is generally speaking horrific. Where did you have your prom? Did you have a prom? Uh, well, our school had a prom, but you had set rules of like what you had to like do in order to go. Uh, and I did not follow those rules, right. so I was not allowed to go. Um, <laughs> but also, like you're like over the person here, who's like least likely to be like banned from his prom. What the hell were you doing? <laughs> I honestly I can't even remember. But it was like a it was like there were dumb rules. But the whole right. point was is it would stop the, the school dickheads basically from going. So you'd only get the nice people that went. But some of those school dickheads then made an effort, and I definitely didn't. So yeah, I I wasn't allowed to go. Um, (laughs) So everyone else, you know, went off and did their thing. um, And I sat at home watching TV instead. Right. But also, like, when it comes to a a UK version of a prom, like the the prom king, the prom queen kind of thing. Well, like, in America, being a jock is, like, quite a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's not so much in a school over here. Like, you're just kind of the asshole of the school. Yeah. (laughs) That's another thing as well. We don't have the same hierarchy in British schools as we do in Americans. We definitely have cliques. Yeah. Mm. And there's definitely like, um, oh, there's that type of group and there's that type of group. But like, I think we've said before, Sam, we were part of like the, I guess, in-betweeny group. Yeah. Like we were sort of like the outsiders, if you will, Mm. um, by American standards at least. And we were by far the biggest group in the school. Yeah. I mean, we would, yeah, we were definitionally the in-betweeners and we weren't at the top of the pecking order, but we weren't, there's always like three or four in every year, isn't there, that are like, you know... (laughs) A special, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> um, we weren't, and we doubt we weren't those. We were like, yeah, the out, outsider slash nerd slash, we, I was never emo, you were never emo, but 
portions of that group were. Um, yeah, the emos were in there. Just yeah. like every kind of outside, but our school, you know, it like you said, the dickheads like made an effort because they weren't allowed to go to prom. We, by the time we got to our prom, we didn't have any dickheads left. Like ours was a weirdly cordial kind of pursuit really, wasn't it? By the, by yeah, the end of school yeah. for us. Um, but yeah, like those things, there are ways of doing it. You know, like The Office. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of the UK version, but I do like the American one quite a lot. And Gervais and Merchant were right when they said, we will help you make the pilot. But after that, we are stepping away because... We don't know what the minutiae of working in an American office. Mm, yeah. Different rules, different systems, you know, um, different interpersonal relationships. So you take it and run with it. And they did an American version of it. Yeah. The British version of The Office is about this kind of horrible man, really, um, that wants to be famous, but he, you know, he's got a heart. The American one, you you like everyone in that show, you know, because the main character is a guy that wants to yeah, be liked. That's that's one of the smart things as well. They didn't feel the need, like what they did with the American Office, from what I understand, as you say, with um, David Brent, which is Ricky Gervais in mm-hmm. the Office. His whole thing is he wants to be famous, and he's like using the documentary that they're filming as a way to achieve that. Yeah. So he's constantly trying to be funny, and it's falling flat. And you can tell he's kind of like not taking advantage of his staff members, but he's sort of like using them as an opportunity to generate this humor, which is just fundamentally unfunny. Yeah. Whereas in the the American office, I don't know who's the, the name of the character Steve Carell plays, but he's the boss. Yeah, right? Michael Scott. He's yeah. the equivalent to David Brent. Michael Scott. Yeah. 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 Michael Scott isn't doesn't want to be famous. He wants to be liked. Yes. The, the humor is coming from the same place in that it's, oh, the boss is being awkward and he's trying to be funny, but it's not quite working. But what informs that character is completely different. And that's one of the things that I think is more, I think that's more palatable to American audiences, which is yeah. why it's kind of, it took off as much mm. as it did. Yeah, 100%. And it's in the performance as well. I mean, the fact of, and just the look of it, you know, the the UK off it, it looks shit. Oh, it, it looks, looks so looks like grim, doesn't it? Grim. And like, yeah. rightly so. That, you know, that's how it should look. And it, like the opening titles are just slough and it's got this music under it that's great, but <laughs> it's just roundabouts and then this horrible oh. Thatcherite yeah, building, just you know? This, um, yeah, concrete block of a yeah, building. Yeah, and it's horrible. And in the American one, like, I think in, in the British one, the company they work for is Wernham Hogg, right? <laughs> in, in, the American one, in the American one, it's Dandra Mifflin. It's quirky, it's kooky, it's Dandra Mifflin. You know, it sounds fluffy. Yeah. Ours sounds like a, you know, a pig. <laughs> um, and then you've got Michael Scott as Steve Corral, who's just eminently likable and just, yeah. uh, is just very, he's, he's, a, he's a, a gibbon, you know, a clown. Yeah. But he's soft, you know, whereas David Brent is spiky and he's kind of a bit of a lech and yeah. he's fat and he's got that horrible little beard and he just looks like, uh, you wouldn't want to be in his company, you know? Yeah. Um, that's why ours is better. <laughs> <laughs> well, to us, I don't. I don't think. Not that I know mer- many Americans, but I'm talking more on like yeah. online and stuff. I haven't seen many people who are from America saying that they think the British office is superior. I think most British people think the American one is superior. Yeah, yeah. they're wrong. Uh, well, that's. Be- I mean, that this is definitely a conversation we've had before. We had it kind of in the um, uh, the episode we were we kind of review- reviewing the Sonic movie. Right. We were talking about like how humor, or at least popular humor is being americanized yeah you know every film does that sort of american humor thing where it's sort of like you know it's clearly improvised mm-hmm. and it's like oh you well you're just like a, a poopy pancake yeah, it's yeah like yeah. it's yeah. all that kind of shit yes you know? yeah yeah so yeah that is like people's taste in humor is sort of aligning more with that kind of common american glib improv humor yeah. almost have either of you two seen the american version of 
Gavin and Stacey. No. No. Okay, it's called Us and Them. Yes. At like some point, it's really bad. I feel like at some point it might be it, as like an exercise in like something. We should like try and watch the series and just like talk about it because it is it is really bad what they've done. I don't know. Um, is it know, like South Carolina and New Jersey or something? Is that the? It's Pen- Pennsylvania and New York. Oh right. I feel like because I was following that when they initially announced it back like over a decade ago. Yeah. And I feel like at the time they were thinking of doing a. A southern versus like um, east coast sort of thing. Yeah, Pennsylvania and New York is not. Yeah, you, as if far you're as I understand, do that, you got to go big with it. Like you got <laughs> yeah, to do California, yeah. California and New York, or you've got to do like Texas and uh, Washington or something. Like completely yeah, yeah, opposing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like I mean, I'm sure, like in America, there are interstate rivalries that we just aren't that aren't in our orbit, so we just have no idea. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, on the surface, Pennsylvania and New- I mean, they're both. New England, they're both kind of, they both, you know, the city. So, I mean, go for the deep south and Vermont, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, my reason, my reason for suggesting watching it is purely for the fact that it was initially announced as a thirteen-episode series. It got cut to seven. Right. Then Fox went. Actually, we're not going to air this at all, and so it took <laughs> until twenty eighteen. And I think it came out on Sony Crackle in the end. Right. So, like, it came out on like a subdivision of a subdivision. <laughs> of a company in order to actually get it out and then after those seven episodes done they were like yeah have either of you seen the pilot for the uh, US version of the IT crowd yes I have yeah that's rough no that's rough that's fucking I would say I bet that's bad yeah well they just do it's it's the same script I think yeah it's exactly the same pilot episode but it's like filmed slightly differently and a couple of the gags have changed but it's fundamentally the same script yeah yeah because I remember Graham Lenahan saying Think yeah that he'd gone over there for weeks or maybe even months to work on the script with them yeah and then they sent him home and at the end of it just said oh we're just going to use the original script <laughs> yeah that's bad the thick of it they tried to do a pilot on ABC right obviously that failed but then they the makers went yeah. on to create Veep which is really good yes um mm. I mean the US IT crowds that has they oh, what's his name Joe McHale right yeah uh he plays Roy yeah you can't replace. Chris O'Dowd with Joe McHale and expected <laughs> to be the same character, you know? Yeah, no, no. Those two shouldn't be up for the same roles. No, they shouldn't. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird. Like, they, they swapped out Chris O'Dowd with Joe McHale. I, I don't know, I can't remember who plays Denim Renham, but no. if, if it's not Chris Evans, not Chris Evans, what's he called? Chris Morris. Yeah, yeah. If it's not Chris Morris, then it's miscast. Absolutely. And the woman is just a woman. I know Jen is kind of just a woman, but yeah. it even that feels off, you know? But Moss is played by Richard Iowati. I find that bizarre. It just seems yeah. like it seems like exactly the kind of thing he wouldn't do. Yeah. Like, he's got enough integrity to not go and make a cheap remake of the IT crowd, but he did it. I just find that also, really strange. Also, of all the characters in that show, Moss is the one they were like, where they were like, yes, Americans will like that. Well, because he's in the... Well, what's that? the terrible film he's in? The um, Neighbourhood Watch or something? Yeah, the watch or something like that. The watch, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Ben Stiller because I think Ben, yeah, yes, Ben Stiller produced Submarine. And yes, which is his directorial debut. Yeah, uh, debut, <laughs> De- debut. <laughs> debut. Richard Ayoade's De- De- retar- De- uh, directorial debut. I think that you know I like Richard Ayoade a lot and I admire him. I think he's got a lot of integrity, and so I can only mm. think that he did those things so he'd have the money to make his own film. Right. In which case, okay, but yeah, it does seem like. If you're going to do an American one, actually, get Nick Nick Offman to play Denim Renham. 
Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna recast American. Yeah. He was played by um Rocky Carroll. Oh, a black gentleman. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. I remember. Yeah, no, didn't work. No. No. Right. Should we move on? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Whatever that was, yeah. Um yeah, well Boris Johnson's been in and out of hospital, hasn't he? Yep. Have you seen He's... all these people who are like, Oh, you never had it. He clearly yeah. just wanted a week off yeah. work. Yeah. Oh, isn't it convenient that Boris Johnson was discharged from hospital on Easter Sunday? I've seen it said that it was kind of a move to make him look like a hard man. <laughs> of like, oh okay. look, he, you know, he's one of us. He caught it, but also he beat it. He's, you know, yeah. he's a titan. I'll see. I ha- yeah, I've seen a whole bunch I'll of say, things. I'd yeah. heard that it was being faked that he had it, so that people would, you know, if he like went into like the intensive, because he also went into like ICU and stuff. Yeah, yeah. If he went into intensive care people be like oh shit like if boris dies fuck like we're still going out this is the guy trying to sort it out for us right he's got it and then also they were just like oh yeah no he's fine now it's like oh yeah i mean i just want to say because obviously uh, a lot of people have said tacitly wished for his death is that fair to say tacitly i think oh yeah some explicitly through twitter at all for the last two three weeks yeah i think there would be uh, the mention of his death every five tweets or so. Yeah, I'll just say if you if you wished privately or publicly that you you want him dead or you're trying to justify it or caveat it or anything other than I hope that he gets better, you're a waste of skin. That's what I get. And I I mean you know I use that phrase deliberately because that's all you are there's nothing beyond you if if you think something like that you're just you're just flash with no heart you're not even no bones you're just well, yeah. skin. whether you like him yes. like him or not the government or not mm. for crying out loud he was very clearly very ill well, it's not just like, i mean sh- short of a dictator or a serial killer or a serial rapist just how about we don't wish death on anyone i wouldn't wish death on my <laughs> political you know opposites just how just my closest friends how just yeah exactly <laughs> how and i mean this in the non retarded sense how retarded has social discourse become when that's just like acceptable now yeah. on some level yeah yeah anyway i just want to get that out there yeah uh was there anything else about the big c uh, well j- just it, the, it is the big um, c now isn't it i suppose it's, it's, it is it's, it's the the bigger big c than, currently. it's bigger c than the big c so yeah j- just the the nice little tidbit um i think it's Lu- the state of louisiana they have a 9 p.m curfew okay um <laughs> is, cor- they- is coronavirus nocturnal and <laughs> uh, well, no no it, it was to get keep people in the houses after 9 yeah, p.m yeah. basically and they were using a like alarm to announce the curfew right um, and they were using the siren from the purge and had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So yeah, it, just, just the... I like how sort of um, prescriptively apocalyptic it is almost <laughs> in, in a lot of places. Like I think we talked about it last one, like that drone that was that was telling people like remember to keep your oh, social distance. York, yeah, this is yeah, yeah. New York drone. There's that, yeah. and then sirens like every cliche is just coming true and you'd think there'd be some i'd be somewhat reluctant if i was a political leader of these like uh it looks a bit like mad max or it looks a bit like, you know <laughs> i like just i just thought though, though but like in in america you're getting that what do we get over here we've got a dalek going somewhere <laughs> you know with a remote controlled dalek going through the streets what's a dalek um, what's this yeah the, so there was a remote controlled dalek that was going through the streets basically we like Human beings will be exterminated. Stay indoors. <laughs> what? Like, 
Oh yeah, this wasn't like, this wasn't some official government like, up stuff, Sam. I think this was just the guy. No, no, I know that. I know that. But what's, <laughs> yeah, what's, just like, what's the thinking there? I, I, is a Dalek meant to be comforting? <laughs> well, I, no, it's I, the threat, it just, it, isn't it? But it You'll isn't be exterminated that so if you British. leave your home. Yeah, but it, it's such a British thing of how can we do this? Oh, we'll play on a really British TV, like yeah. you know, a show which is quintessentially British half the time. Yeah. You know, and just be like, ah, oh, well, you know. Here's a real life Dalek, because that's what we would do. <laughs> okay, you know. All right. There's also the. Um, have you seen the the letters that are being sent out by the government um, that have the same font as Card Against Cards Against Humanity? <laughs> no. Yeah. I did. I, I didn't realize that was the same font. Yeah, yeah. There's like uh, pictures on well, all over social media. People are. You know, at the beginning, I was like, oh, social media. Like, you need to exercise like a healthy relationship with it, and all of the shit that I've just seen on social media. That I'm now regurgitating this podcast. <laughs> it's completely undermining my original point. But yeah, people are taking cards from Cards Against Humanity and sort of putting them amongst the sentence. It's like, right. this is a warning from the government about bees or whatever it was, you know. Okay. It's a warning from the government about Tories stepping um, on kittens, that kind of shit. I'll say, obviously, I assume you've obviously both had that letter from number 10. Yeah, well, it's, it seems like, I think I pretty much knew everything that's in that letter. There doesn't seem to be any new information in it. Yeah. Well, my mate won't mind me talking about this. Um, my my mate has basically decided that he so he hasn't opened the letter mm. because he's decided that years down the line, because this will be an historical event that we are t- we talk about, he's going to sell it on eBay, uh, isn't he? He's going to sell it on eBay because he's going <laughs> to need the money, and he thinks it's going to be worth a few bob. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, that might maybe fetch you a packet of cigarettes, but I don't think it's going to get you anything more uh, than that. I haven't had this letter. What's this letter? Uh, basically just a letter it's, from it's a Boris. letter from number 10 basically just talking to you about the coronavirus and telling you to yeah. stay at home it's, it's, there's right. a leaflet in there on coronavirus and there's a letter saying hey maybe yeah. you should read this leaflet and like not leave the house like we fucking asked right you know yeah yeah, yeah. I liked the fact that in Wales it wasn't you did get both the English and the Welsh version <laughs> yes I liked yeah. that little I think touch. Boris was responsible for that as well or they just like siphoning off the letters uh, from the Welsh Postal Service. And, like, <laughs> I, I guarantee the... they just put it on Google Translate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you put it through Google Translate and it's just gibberish. It doesn't fucking mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Welsh version actually just says, go outside and play. <laughs> <Yeah>. Just like... <laughs> if you're interested. That's what the Welsh for that would be. What was it? Mindathan Achwarai. Right, so okay. go outside and play. <laughs> um, all right, should we talk about uh, Louis C.K.? Yeah. He's back. He's back. <laughs> so, yeah, he's released through his website a new uh, stand up special called Sincerely Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's his first since all that hoopla. <laughs> it's his first special, right? He's done like gigs and yeah, yeah, sets yeah, yeah. and yeah. stuff here and yeah, there. It's yeah, it's his first uh, film special. Yeah. Um, what do you think of it, guys? Well, in fairness to him, I thought I didn't know how he was going to approach it. Like as a comedian, your impulse is to, oh, this is like rife in terms of material. This is rife for like discussion, but also just like as an individual, it's like okay, that was like a really trying time in my life. Mm. I don't really want to, you know, go through that and sort of bring it back to people's attention on stage. And but he does, in fairness to him, he does address it and he does sort of play he with does. it a little bit. And that was quite yeah. nice. It would be him do that. A comedian, right, is supposed to tell the truth. That's the idea, yeah. right? Not, not, yeah, not exclusively. Obviously, there could be surreal comedians, blah blah blah, blah can hedge it and caveat it. But it would be really strange if he came out and didn't address it at all. Yeah, I well, would have okay, understood. When, when, it. when I say address it, I mean like he does a bit on it. 
he does like a whole he dedicates like a yeah, yeah, decent no, amount of time to discussing it yeah i'm agreeing with you i'm agreeing yeah. at the beginning just going like oh yeah so that happened let's carry on as usual now yeah no it would have been strange had he not gone into it i mean i really like it i think it's a really good special mm. not least because it's it's dealt with exactly the right amount i think yeah he sort of opens with it he circles back to it with a little bit more depth but, and when he's not talking about it, it's not odd that he's not talking about yeah, it. Yeah, well, he does pepper it in every now and again. He he says, like, yeah. a disconnected punchline that's obviously, like, a nudge towards, you know, he'll make, like, a masturbation joke here and there, and the crowd goes, hey! Like, so yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it yeah. is peppered in amongst the stand-up. He doesn't end with it, though, curiously. Because when he no, starts he talking about it near the end of the bit, I was like, okay, this is going to be the end of the show now. Yeah. But there's, like, there's more beyond that. So it's kind of nice that he gives time to it, but it's not, like, that's not the thing that you're thinking of when no, you leave the, the right, show. You know? I think, yeah, thing. that's yeah. a good impulse as well. I think it's structured really uh, well. Yeah. Because I think there are subtle manoeuvres in there that might not even be conscious on his part. But, so, for instance... He can't come out on stage, right, and make fun of the women. That right, he just—that's something he can't do. No, of course not. And he can't just use the opportunity because he's still kind of, you know, dipping his toe back into the water. You know, this is—he's—he's he's slowly, yeah, getting back into the pool. So he—he he can't come out and just say, "For people who like me, I'm good. All right, I'm okay." He can't say that because that would look like. That would just be fodder for critics to go, oh, mate, who cares about you? We care about the women. Mm. But I think he does that without doing it. And one of the ways he does that is by talking about, he says that he went to France yeah. uh, for a while and he met a woman and fell in love. And then he he very quickly goes on to make jokes about the difference between French and American culture and thermometers sticking up the arse and all that, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. I think that's his way of going, just so you know. I'm all right. Yes. Like, I'm good. Yeah. And I think that's... Like, I don't even know if that was a conscious move, but I think it's it's very nicely done either way. Yeah. I mean, I just admire it a lot. I, I admire the fact that he hasn't let it... He hasn't just taken it and let it take him out, mm, you know? Yeah. He's waited... The, I mean, you know, for me, he wouldn't have had to wait at all, but he's waited an appropriate amount of time. What was I say? Right. That is... That's one of the things... When he did his, like, first appearance in america in that whatever that stand-up club he goes to yeah yeah the, the argument there was if he'd have waited a year to before he went and did a, a stand-up show people would have been like oh, okay he's done a year right fair enough because yeah. on the scale mm. of what he did in comparison to other people most people were agreeing that it was like the low end because it was more just weird rather than yeah i think even if you um subscribe to the whole like oh this is me too like what yeah, he's yeah. done is if it's within the realm of me too i think even those people would admit that this is pretty low down the ladder yeah you know? yeah and yeah, yeah. I, I you know we, the, the thing with him I, we obviously we haven't said what he's done but the thing with him is he technically speaking asked people if they were okay with it yeah they said yes and then he didn't think oh actually that's probably still inappropriate Look, as far as I'm concerned, he's done absolutely nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing. If, you know, what we've been told is true and there's not something else we don't know about, what as for what we know about, I don't think any of that is wrong at all. Well, nothing he says in the special seems to contradict what has been said publicly, does it? No, no, no. no, no. no. And he never, he's never denied it, you know. As soon as it came out, he was first to say, yeah, it's true. Yeah. But the problem here, right, it's all about just unspoken sexual politics right it's all about it's this left bullshit about everything is power every interaction is a, a negotiation of power and 
being a prominent comedian, he has the power in that dynamic. And so when he asks if he can do that and they say yes, it's inappropriate because they may not actually be comfortable, even if they don't say so. Mm. Like, you should infer that because you have all the power in it. Yeah. All of that, I think, is complete, complete bullshit. There are obviously abuses of Well, power. say, he, he says, he was like, even if... Yeah, he said, like, ask them if they're okay. If they say yes, ask them again. Yeah. And if they say yes, just don't fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. But I feel like that's what he has to say, right? If you ask and they say yes, what else is there? But you know no, I, mean? I know, but I, th- I think the point he's making is it's it's more trouble than it's worth, isn't it? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, making yeah. sure or not being, like, 100% positive or even thinking that you're 100% positive. Like, it's not worth the hassle, basically. Yeah, but he's not saying it's not it's not worth the hassle because of, like, the ethical implications. He's just saying on a practical level because of the... Oh, the ri- yeah, the risk of it, I suppose, yeah, is yeah. worth the hassle. To be fair, he's not saying that, but I, I am inferring that from... I yeah. think that yeah, yeah. probably is what he really thinks. Yeah. Yeah, it's more hassle than it's worth in terms of your life. Mm. It's going to completely derange and fuck up your life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I and I admire the fact that he doesn't... The show is not just this complete pleading for forgiveness on his knees affair. He no, talks no, it's about a stand-up it. show. It's, stand-up it's, show. it's like a, in a pretty standard stand-up show yeah. uh, by Louis C.K. standards mm. with this material occasionally peppered in and then addressed towards the end of the show. Yeah. The whole thing isn't about what happened and the whole thing isn't him like, oh, I'm going to tread carefully during this one because I want people to sort of like me again before I get back into there. No, no, he goes straight back to like the oh, yeah, he very Yeah, he does the opposite of treading carefully. Yeah, well, yeah. one thing I read, because I was looking at some of like the critics' reviews of it, and one oh. thing that like came out of like a lot of them were saying that he had, because he, he doesn't like necessarily apologize no. for, d- for doing it. And they were like, his like worldview and the things that he does and everything like that, if he just came out and apologized for it, that doesn't really fit with what he does and how he is yeah so he's yeah. just kind of carried on like as him but he has waited a period of time and then come back and that is they're kind of criticizing but also pointing out that actually in line with louis ck as a person that's kind of how he would do it and he's done exactly what they kind of expect in that regard yeah well i mean he he comes out pretty much straight away he just starts talking about he says i don't believe in god <laughs> I just don't believe in God. Um, not connected to that, to be fair. It is, it is a completely separate thing. Um, what else does he talk about in the special? He talks about, um, as he says, retards. Um, he makes fun about amputees. Yeah, there's um, a whole bit on that. He said it is a little bit controversial, but it oh, is, it is, it, yeah. but it is funny. He throws a 9-11 joke at I would some say, point, doesn't he? He does a 9-11 joke. <laughs> It is completely unnecessary 9-11 joke. Yeah. No, no, that's the thing. Yeah. I like his reaction because obviously this is all yeah. written and that's yeah, what, yeah. one of the things yeah. Louis C.K. does well as a comedian. He has material that is very well written and it's you can tell by the way that jokes sort of play out and the way they sort of like reference other things that are said and you can tell that it's a written piece yeah but yeah. he's very good at delivering that naturally to the point where it almost seems like it's kind of off the cuff yeah yeah yeah. but yeah he's, he sort of does the 9-11 joke and then he just starts laughing and he just goes i was completely unnecessary <laughs> yeah i just didn't need to do yeah, that yeah. Yeah. he Although, does an impression of a japanese woman he does <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i like that as well like i'm not you know that's just how she said it yeah, I can't, yeah. like it would be dishonest to be like, you know, and then yeah, he yeah. leans further into it and he's like, no, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. how she said it. Yeah, it's he bars no holds. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah, really liked it. That was great. He ne- as far as I'm concerned, the elephant has been addressed. He never has to talk about it ever again. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think. No, definitely. Um, 
What, what do you think, Eddie? Do you like it? I did, as I say. Like, yeah, it, a bit controversial, but I did enjoy it. It made me laugh. Yeah, that was um, nice, because usually... I don't know about you guys, but I'm I, I'm not opposed to watching stand-up material by myself, but you definitely laugh less when you're on your own, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it feels almost... Uh, I almost feel bad for the material, because it's clearly funny material, but mm. the fact that you're not laughing at it, you kind of feel like, oh, I should be laughing. But it did make me laugh. There was nothing on the level of... Was it... His last recorded special, 2017, The Year's Counting Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like that's, even on my own, I laugh. So the, the joke is basically, um, what year is it now? 2017. Like, then you had the year zero, and then all of the years before that are like minus whatever. So they're obviously counting down to like, you know, nine, eight, seven. <laughs> it's just the face he pulls. He just goes, what's going to happen? He just like <laughs> yeah, that's out. Right. Have you seen his last special, Eddie? I, I've seen some of it. I haven't seen all of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to, like, just ex- break down every joke, but yeah, that joke Yeah, was, I, won't, uh... I won't say any more about the joke. The, my point was going to be, like, that special had more, like... There were a couple of jokes in there where I still properly laugh at them. Yeah, yeah. There's no equivalent to that in this special. There were no jokes where I was, like, really losing, you know, like, oh, that's yeah, so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole thing is consistently funny. It's all, like, on a level. Uh, yes. I did really laugh at the 9-11 joke. I, I really, oh, yeah. I, I think really, it's his reaction that because helped, it because he that. then went, oh, that's so unnecessary. But I did really laugh because I was like, this, I was, I found it funny anyway. And then he just went, and then that plane went into the, <laughs> the World Trade Center. <laughs> I just burst out because yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting it to. It, that's where he was going with the joke. So I was like, ah, oh, yeah. fair enough. Well, yeah, it's not, it's not telegraphed at all. It just, it becomes a nine eleven joke. Yeah, yeah right yeah. at the end. <laughs> It's just yeah. about a couple. It's just about arguing with a, about a space on a plane. Yeah, it's it's quite. It's all. It's like a um, like a really safe pre-watershed joke about uh, this woman wanted to swap seats so she could sit next to her husband. The husband was like, "No, no, don't do it." Yeah, and he's like, "So I just got off a plane, and then yeah, that hit the World Trade Center." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I genuinely, I really laughed at that, which I know is bad, but. I do have quite a dark sense of humor, so. I mean, yeah. Say, so, I mean, like, I yeah. There's nothing. There are no individual moments that are, get those massive laughs. For me, it's just like the way he phrases certain things. So when he says he doesn't believe in God, he says I just reckon there ain't. I, that, <laughs> yeah. There's things like that I get. I get me. Yep, I reckon there ain't no law. Yeah, and I also like. I forgot how <laughs> good a storyteller he was as well. Like he, he oh, does yeah. really. He's really good at sort of implanting images in your head that kind of richen the story that he's telling. Yeah, yeah. Like when he talks about his mother, his mother didn't have a funeral because she doesn't believe in God. So she like <laughs> booked her own uh, cremation, I think it was. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I yeah. did laugh at the, the joke about this bit. Yeah, and he says, oh yeah, I'm not going to mention that bit. <laughs> I, I'm talking more about um, when he says like the guy picked her up, he was just like in his van. Yeah. Just like his van, there was like a red Gatorade like rolling around in the back. And like details like that where you like immediately just picture the van and it yeah. just makes yes. the joke funnier. Yeah, I forgot yeah. that Louis C.K. was like that. So it was nice to kind of rediscover that through the special. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. The, 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 that, the joke that he makes during that about the guy, that gen, that also made me laugh a lot. <laughs> yeah. Which is really bad because you, when you think about the things that made me laugh the most in this special. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, those things, they, you're laughing at the audacity of it, aren't you? Like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like a knee jerk thing. Yeah, so a big tick from all of us. Yeah. Yes? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Right. Doctor Who, then. Yeah. The end of Tenant. The end of Tenant. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
Okay. Yeah, so we are dealing with the specials from, is it 08 to 10? Yes. Yes. These are the five specials that round out David Tennant's tenure as the Doctor and also Russell T. Davis's time as showrunner. Yes. Yeah. This and is I think the end. There was like a producer as well, like Julie Garland or something, who left as well at the same time. No one yeah. gives a fuck about her. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I always feel bad about uh. that. There's like, I went to, um, I don't, was it the one I went to? I don't know. There's like a bunch of like Doctor Who panels where they have like the guy playing the Doctor and the companion and the showrunner and then such and such as the executive producer and no one ever asks him a question or gives a shit about anything he has to say yeah and you're like oh i feel you know i'm sorry i mean you say, you say that but i i reckon on any if it wasn't any other show half the time the writers are also not getting asked the questions and they get invited to basically everything oh yeah 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 so that's that's our life in the future when we're just sat on a panel no one's asking us anything which is like we fucking wrote this <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's the dream right <laughs> to well, I can't, I can't remember what comedian it was, but saying that the best job in the world is, is to be the drummer in Coldplay. It's like, you <laughs> you make all that money, no one knows who the fuck you are. No, no one recognises <laughs> yeah. you. And that's where I want to be at. I want to be in a position where I'm on the panel and maybe even the first person they bring out as the creator. But yeah, no one wants to talk to me. That's, <laughs> that's the dream. Um, okay, so we start with the next Doctor. Indeed. Yes. Ooh, it's not good, is it? It's... Uh, <laughs> Well, should we should we should we start giving the premise to the Okay, episodes? all right. Well, I let you do that then, Joel, because you're the resident expert, I guess. Ah, oh, shit. I thought you were going to give this job to Eddie. <laughs> no, it's you. Right. Okay. So the next doctor, um David Tennant travels back in time to You what? <laughs> so, right. If you've come this far in and like time travel is like a sh- like they travel in time in Doctor Who? Nah, you're fucking up. I don't really know what to do at this point, Sam. If I'm oh, imagine how life would be though. Imagine how great life would be if every time like you can be this far as Doctor Who and be amazed at the time and travel. Imagine how wonderful <laughs> life would be. Every day you'd wake up and go, I woke up! Oh my god, I can't believe it! It's amazing! <laughs> this room, it's so square. Oh god. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't remember the exact year, but it's like 1500s Victorian London. He travels back 1500s to. 1500s Victorian London. Oh dear. Okay, go on. Why? Is, that, is it not 1500s Victorian London? Well, how can it be the 1500s and Victorian London? Queen Victoria needed to be the queen, right? So Is that how it works? Yeah. It's basically the 1800s. <laughs> oh no, is I thought it was just like a period of time where it's like, oh, I guess that's... It's the Victorian period. Yeah. Aesthetically, it looks like Victorian London, so we'll just call that Victorian London. Uh, I mean, it kind of has become that, but no. Victorian London generally refers to when Queen Victoria was. Okay. The episode is in the 1500s, right? I'm not... No, it's 1851. No, it's 1851. It's 1851, right, okay. So it is Victorian London. Yeah, but it's not the 1500s. Oh, right, okay. So I was half right. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't denying. I was more disputing... The and there was a five in there. The juxtapositions of 1500s Victorian London. Oh, dear. Are you sure you want me to carry on with you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Go on. It's going to be funny now. Go on. So it was it was 1500s Victorian London, yeah? Yes. Yeah, so the year is 1851. Um, the Doctor travels back in time to this year. It's Christmas time. And he discovers a man claiming to be the Doctor. But David Tennant has no memory of him. And this man, who's played by David Morrissey, has no memory of David Tennant. 
So either this next Doctor, this new Doctor, has had his memories of David Tennant removed, or something is amiss. And also the Cybermen are there. And then uh, Leonardo da Vinci shows up and starts the Industrial Revolution, right? You're making fun of me, (laughs) Sam. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay. Gandhi Um, discovers fire and... (laughs) Can you imagine if Doctor Who had the audacity to have Gandhi discover fire? <laughs> well, curry was hot in it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Eddie's gone. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. And curry right. in no way has the same practical applications as fire. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's comparable. No, that's very true. All right, let's um, carry on. Let's carry on. Okay. Yes. Um, you could probably kill a small creature with both. Well, you need a lot more curry than you would fire. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Like a match would probably do it. Whereas with curry, it's like right, just stay there as you've got like a massive batch that you're kind of like. Annie's turned the Hoover on. <laughs> <laughs> well, if. You- if you sorry, force... mate, if, sorry, audience. If you hear my father hoovering <laughs> in the background, if you force feed, if you force fed a baby curry, it would die, and if you force fed a baby fire, it would die. Yeah, but like there you, you just drop a match not, into the not baby's as different mouth. As you'd you'd have sorted, us believe, you know. How did we get from Doctor Who to Bernie? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Right. Uh, so yes, the next Doctor. Um, yeah, so so David Tennant's eating curry in 1500s Victorian London. Yes, that's right. And then David Morrissey shows up and he's like, I'm also the Doctor. And yeah. David Tennant's like, all right, what, what the fuck's going on here then? Yeah, it's it's much more plinky-plonky in, in line with some of the earlier specials, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. A lot of, fi- yes. well, quite a bit of physical humour, facile music. Yeah, it, it feels like more Doctor Who for the sake of it. Yeah. Yes, and I think that's that's an, uh, a problem that will reverberate through the rest of the specials, bar one. We'll see what you end up saying about it, Sam. Yeah. But it does kind of feel like... Didn't you say to Eddie that... Didn't you tell me that the only reason the specials exist is because they wanted to give the people who are making Series 5 more time to finish it off? Yes, so because the team was changing, the production team, the writing team, they did the specials so that they had time to prepare for a new series. Yes, which, I mean, that's not that's not a terrible idea, giving more time to Series 5 when you've got a whole new production team and... Again, we'll get to series five when we get to it, but you know, we'll we'll see whether it was whether it paid off or not. But yeah, the next Doctor doesn't really feel like an episode of Doctor Who that you know needed to exist. I'm all it? I'm all for giving it more time, but just in the interim, don't feel the need to pad out. You know, with all these yeah. specials, there's just no. Need. It's a shame, really, because it does undermine what came before it. Mm. But that's the thing, like the whole Russell T Davis era, you had like Journey's End is the finaliest finale that ever finaled, you know? Yeah. And now you've got five more stories with that character. Yeah. And not it's not just a case of it's five more stories that are just going to kind of like, nothing's really going to happen, we're just going to have a bit of fun and we're just going to sort of kill some time until the next incarnation comes along. These are five stories that attempt to take David Tennant's Doctor to places that his previous three seasons have never done before. Yeah. Not never done, but it feels like a continuation of his character arc. Yeah. So, you know, these are necessary in the grand scheme of things, these specials. They're not just kind of like disposable fun. No, well, it's it's what happens when you've ended your story and then you're told, oh, by the way, you know you've got five more episodes, right? Yeah. And so you have to inflate the stakes infinitely to justify, oh, no, this is the ending. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. He clearly ended it. I, I doubt that he knew when he was ending Series 4 that, that you'd have to do this. Um, I don't know, because... 
the next Doctor is the Christmas special of that season, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, um, I'm trying to remember when the specials got announced. It came out the same year as Series 4, at least. I don't know yeah, if it's maybe. considered in the I same th- season. I think the idea was going to be the original Christmas episode was probably when he was going to leave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Journey's End happens, and then the Christmas episode... Like, that's when we say goodbye to all the companions, and all the story arcs are wrapped up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so he would have had, like, one last hurrah. Yeah, his kind of epilogue. Yeah, exactly, an epilogue. That's the perfect word for it. Yeah, you've wrapped up the story, here's just one little El Camino. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they didn't do that. <laughs> so, no. yeah, I'm still not taken by the Cybermen. Okay. In fairness, I don't think this is the story to help. No. To help mm. you fall in love with the Cybermen. No. Yeah, that's fair enough. They could have killed some kids. It would have spiced <laughs> things up a bit. Um, yeah. Um, it, it, again, it gets quite Power Rangers. Uh, the the Megazord. <laughs> At the end. The Kaiju Cyberman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not not. I mean, when that episode aired, I was like, "Oh, giant robot, that's cool." Mm. But now, fucking, why did the Cybermen need a giant Transformer Cyberman? Yeah, that's controlled by a human woman that also lasts about all the five minutes. Yeah, Yeah. the graphics aren't bad. Like they have stepped up definitely. Mm. But I think I think the line "This is nonsense" is said at one point. I was like, "Yeah, there you go." Right. Okay. Being their own critics. Uh, that's kind of all I've got to say about that one, really. Okay. I like I so like that the counters, hot air balloon. Um, uh, what's it called? It's a phrase you came up with. The Sam's Lexicorner where you said, um, uh, like a sequel will say, oh, it's just the same thing as the first uh, one. Yeah, the... Uh, oh God, I can't even fucking remember now. Uh, the Ho-Cats justification. Yeah, would that be a Ho-Cats justification? We just make an episode that's just kind of like nonsense and you've got a character saying, oh, this is nonsense. I mean, not quite. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, it's the same, the same thing. stock, I think, don't they? No, yeah. It was the same thing as the time travel. Oh, don't think about it. You know, it's yeah. it's kind of like a self-criticism in a way. Yeah. Yeah, that's honestly all I've got to say. What, Eddie, you okay. said you liked something about it. What did you like? The hot air balloon. The hot air balloon. Yeah, that's okay. Which, um, um, I only found this out recently through research. They printed a cover, uh, a DVD cover for this episode, which didn't feature the hot air balloon because they considered that to be a spoiler. Right. <laughs> And then in every subsequent release, the picture of the hot air balloon was then put on the cover. Right. Okay. Because I guess someone decided, oh, it's not a spoiler. That's it's a weird detail. There's not much to say about it. Just like, okay, no. I wonder why. Uh, I suppose um, when it, at, at the time it would have been considered a spoiler, but maybe now that it's however long ago. Yeah. And it's so codified that I just did that episode. Yeah. Really, you know? so the, one other thing I will add. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of these specials, but this is my second favourite, which kind of speaks volumes. Second favourite of all the specials? All the five. Yeah. Oh, the five. Oh, right. Okay. Oh yeah, if you're just talking about Christmas specials, this is like way down. Oh yeah, there. yeah, right. Okay. Um, oh yeah, this this is also my second favorite of the five. Right. My my alternate title for it is Hullabaloon. Hullabaloon. <laughs> um, it gets a thumbs down. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything to say about David Morrissey's performance at all? Uh, it's a bit. It's a bit annoying. Um, that's it. Okay. Fair. I'm trying to. We've only got five episodes, and they're all well. They're not all bad, but. I kind of want to, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to generate discussion about it, you know? There's not, There's much, not, more to not say. much to say about that one, no. no. I mean, it's quite bland, as the Christmas specials are, yeah. generally. Okay. Um, so, Planet of the Dead. Yes. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> okay, so the plot is, Yeah. we're going to do the plot. The plot is, Michelle Ryan is a thief. She, well, she plays a character who's a thief, right? Well, she might, sure. she might be a thief um, in real life, we don't know. Stole an hour from me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah yeah so michelle ryan is a thief and she thieves a thing yeah and then she goes on a bus and the doctor is like hey it's easter have have an easter egg yeah and then they go through a portal yeah 
to a desert and the bus is stranded in the desert and there are giant metal stingrays coming to eat them. Yep. So in order to stop the giant metal sting... No, no. Before they, they get abducted by these fly people. Yeah. And then Lee Evans, uh, the comedian, the British comedian who's not a comedian anymore, was like, oh, I, I'm going to do a clever thing. And the doctor's like, yeah, do that. And then things happen in the episode and the episode ends. Yeah, it's not very, uh, it's not very good episode. No, I mean, a fucking Easter special. The Doctor Who need a fucking <laughs> Easter special, and he's got he's got Easter. It's like oh, like that. That's the connection to it. Is the officer an Easter egg? Yep. Yeah, that's the, well. What in fairness? What the hell do you do with an Easter special? Don't do one. <laughs> I think the only reason it's an Easter special is because they wanted to. They it 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 sort of determined the air date. I guess. Yeah. It'll feel like an event if we do that at Easter because it can be our Easter special rather than just. Oh, 27th of February. Oh, no, here's a fucking Doctor Who episode. <laughs> if you're going to do an Easter special, have him regenerate in it. At least then it's topical. Right. Do you know what I mean? Have him resurrect as the new Doctor. That'd be a good thing for an Easter special. Okay. All about resurrect, but no. they. It's just, he just has an egg at one point. Imagine um, if he just regenerated think- into a chocolate egg. <laughs> yeah. Could you eat a chocolate star child? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's that um, was a reference. That was a ref- that was a self that reference. No that was a wank- That was a wanky reference. That was a disturbing <laughs> yeah. reference. Um, yes. Daniel Kaluuya's in it. That was yeah, a, an observation. Yeah. <laughs> in this episode, that's all we can do. Really, it's like, oh, I this yeah. was a thing that happened. Yeah, and then just say nothing yeah. about it because there's nothing worth saying about. It. Oh, actually, no, I, I do it- have things I want to say about it. Wait, before before we get to those things, yes, I think. You know, I'm sure if we put our best heads on, we could break down and, and provide a critique and review of this episode. But it's sort of not worth it because I, I think it is an episode that's based around the image of a London double-decker bus in the desert. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, cool image. Let's work a story around that. And that is a cool image, mm. And but that is sort of all it has got going for it. Yeah. Okay. And it was Michelle Ryan's audition attempt for being a companion and she flopped it massively. Well, she, she really dated it for me. Like, I recognised her. Like, oh yeah, you, you used to be on EastEnders. Like, <laughs> and because she's not prominent anymore, you know, it's not like it's Carrie Mulligan or anyone like that. It really dated it. Yeah. It was like, ooh, this is really of its time, you know? Yeah. Is she a good actress? No. Not in this. No, not in this. But is she broadly considered to be a good actress? Oh, I have no idea. No. Okay. Because I don't know if she's putting on... It feels really forced, her performance. Yeah, very quippy and like trying to match the Doctor in her kind of sardonic smartness. I mean, there's that element Um, to it, but also just literally the voice she's using sounds so forced. It sounds like she's really trying to... Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound real. Even though she's doing like an RP accent. Mm. Well, she doesn't have an accent. She's just speaking like... uh, She sounds just like, oh, uh, an English person, I guess. But it sounds so fake. Yeah, she should have stayed in Albert Square, really. Maybe Michelle Ryan has just got ideas above her station. Like, she's get back in her box. Right. Literally, Albert Square is a box. But I mean, like... Doctor Who aside, she tried to break America, I think. I feel like she was in an American TV show, the lead in an American TV show, and it got right. cancelled. Like like Bionic Woman or Oh yeah, yeah, that's like how they that. were pro- that's how they promoted this episode when it first aired. It's the Doctor right. and the Bionic yes. Woman. Right, okay. Obviously that didn't take off and now is she a thing now? I haven't heard of her since this episode. Since this in terms of TV, she's done four things. Um, She's done four things since Doctor Who in television. Y- yeah, but like we're talking one episode here, one episode there. Yeah, yeah. One thing no, she no, was no, in no, for that, five episodes. That's what I mean. That's way low. Four things since 2009. Yeah. That's bad. She's, she has done some like films in that time. Okay. She was in Cockney versus Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah, that's so level. That's what she, she should be playing. Yeah. In a particular playground. Um, yeah, Lee Evans is really grating in well, the episode. It's, it's distracting because if you know who Lee Evans is, you know that he's just doing one of his quote-unquote characters from the show. Yeah. Like, Lee Evans, he's, he does, he's very, like, frenetic. I mean, he's known for just sweating buckets on stage, yeah. isn't he? Because he just runs around the place. Yeah, he... And he does, like, these... As he's sort of, like, delivering punchlines... He delivers them in these like various voices. Yeah. He's yeah. clearly like inhabiting like a like a like a character or a stereotype mm. or something. And he's just doing one of those voices. It's like a sort of like a almost Welsh like yeah. idiot he's voice. He's leaning into his Welshness, yeah. yeah. Well, because one of his recurring yeah, kind of character is whenever he talks about um this kind of obscure social weirdo, like the man that collects all the trolleys at the supermarket yeah know, that's hunched over they're always called malcolm and the character in this is named malcolm yes an obvious reference but again it's that thing with doctor who with the christmas specials to be fair in particular it's too knowing it's not like a a work of art it's this conversation with the audience like oh we'll get lee evans in and we'll call him malcolm ha 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 it's not standing on its own you know it's right it's, okay. it's too populist then mm. for its own good when it comes to the christmas specials because they okay. know they're gonna get however many fucking millions of yeah because there's nothing else on so everyone's gonna be watching yeah Doctor exactly who. Yeah. and so it's so populist and i've got nothing wrong with populist uh, drama at all but not when it comes to christmas specials it's like yeah, have you seen Mrs. Bra- has Mrs. Brown got a new show from Mrs. Brown's I, oh Boys? Oh God, is she? Because I don't know whether it's the actual show, but she was just interviewing Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know whether the show has become just a completely different thing, where it's sort of chat show, sort of scat. I don't know. That whole thing's a fucking Hindenburg. I mean, but it's you know, Mrs. Brown's Boys is hardly a well, it's hardly an entity really. No. But you can't completely. It's still like an audience filmed in front of an audience sitcom. You can't fundamentally change the foundation of that show. It is, but then like it, it, it just becomes you're having a laugh with your mates because obviously they keep in all the goofs and all the when they fuck up and all that sort of stuff. Well, do they? Well, I mean that started off as a oh, wouldn't it be funny if you left it in? But as far as I know, yeah, the show just became that. And yes, that obviously it's engineered and artificial. Yeah, but I don't know that whole thing's a trailer fire. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, what else did you have to do you say? Wanna, do about... you want to take that insult again, Sam, or are you gonna are you gonna leave it at yeah, that? Yeah, no, go on. I'll I'll I'll, I'll well, I, I already called it Hindenburg. Yeah. Um. Okay, that Mrs. Brown's boys. That whole thing is a fucking illegal abortion. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna call back then. I thought you were gonna be like, it's a trailer curry. Uh, okay, no, I wasn't gonna okay. do that. But you've done it now. So. I have done that. Yeah. Um, what else do you have to say about it, George? Um, yeah, I was gonna say there are a couple of aspects on this episode that I think on the pa- on the page would have looked really good. Right. I think Michelle Ryan, she's clearly supposed to be like the perfect companion to the Doctor, or the closest thing to that. I think. Yeah. Like she's also like you know they draw parallels between the fact that she's a thief and she thieves things. And the Doctor stole the TARDIS, so they, they call it to kind of draw a parallel there. She's very clever and witty, and the Doctor's obviously very clever and witty, and they both talk very quickly, and they both seem to be on the same way. They both seem to be on the same wavelength a lot. Yeah. But because this is post-Journey's End, and because the Doctor has now lost three companions, his, like, this at this point in his life, he's just like, you know what, I'm done with all of that. It always ends badly for me. I'm just going to travel on my own. Mm. I like that idea. I like the idea that he's kind of like almost, it doesn't really show in the episode, but I, I like the idea of him sort of being tempted to like 
go back to that life of traveling with someone and, and yeah. s- but he just goes yeah you know what I've grown past that mm. I think that's a really good idea uh, but yeah. that kind of get lo- that kind of gets lost in the episode also the other thing as well is the the monsters which are just creatures carrying out their normal life cycle and that just so happens to be threatening to the doctor and the people who are on that bus yeah i like that idea I, I i feel like that's i know doctor who has done things like that in the past but i just i like the idea of oh it's not yeah. it's not an evil yeah yeah there's no malevolent they've just fallen into like a an ecosystem where they don't belong yeah exactly yeah also metal stingrays um, that's kind of cool as well i suppose so school uh not school bus double decker bus in a desert and metal stingrays there's some cool imagery in this episode but it's nowhere near nowhere near enough to carry it no it's just no. shit. <laughs> In summary, yeah. Um, my alternate titles are Busman's Faraday, okay. uh, The Sands of Time, Dune Bussy, and Trouble Decker. Yes. <laughs> I like Trouble Decker. I like um, that. Yeah. Okay, we'll go yeah, Trouble Decker like then. But thumbs down. Yes. yes. The Waters of Mars. Premise us, bitch. Okay. The Doctor goes to Mars. <laughs> uh yeah doc- doctor who goes to mars um the doctor turns up on this base in 25 mars. something right. in the other i don't know do, right. you, need to, do um, you need me to look up the date for it again 2059 i think it is actually okay 2059 once again i got the five in the wrong place in the date but i i knew there was a five <laughs> um yeah the doctor turns up at this research facility on the surface of mars he discovers that these are the people that kind of inspire the human race to sort of leave planet earth and go out and colonize amongst these different species and stars and all this kind of thing but he also finds out that everyone dies on this base that's sort of what motivates humanity to go go out and do its thing and he also discovers that he has happened to turn up on the day in which they all die and this is a fixed point in time the doctor can't do anything about it because if he changes this event then it fundamentally changes the future of the human race so he's basically faced with this um moral conundrum yeah he's kind of in the presence of all these people who are really nice and obviously they're people the doctor naturally wants to save them but there's nothing he can do and that kind of forms the foundation of the episode yes take it away i shall uh, this is obviously the best one of the five yes it's a pretty good episode uh in its own right Mm -hmm. um when it starts and he emerges from the TARDIS, he's wearing a spacesuit. Yes. And I noticed that that's the only time that he, well, so far anyway, has worn one because we know it would be required on Mars. Yeah. So it just, it kind of retroactively makes you think all the other planets and atmospheres he's been to, it's never been required. That's kind of nice and convenient. Well, actually, no. I think that spacesuit is, because that becomes the Doctor's spacesuit. If he ever wears a spacesuit, he wears that. Right. But I think we originally saw that in the Impossible planet am i right eddie series two yes we did yes oh okay yeah. all right i missed that completely then but i take your point um, like we know yeah. that the doctor wouldn't be able to survive in this environment so we have to put him in a spacesuit. i i yes. yeah that's fair i think as, yeah. a, as an observation it was the first episode where it, it sort of it didn't feel it felt like it was pitching it to an older audience yes i think like young kids it's not appropriate for them to see this episode. Okay, in what respect? Well, as in, I think this is a 12A. This isn't a PG. This but is I mean, a 12A. It's no, it's no gorier or swearier no, no. than usual Doctor it's Who. It's no gorier. It's bleaker. And it's, I would say, it's the first time in Doctor Who that I have found something genuinely quite creepy. Okay. And that is, you know, that when, when they, they become zombified, essentially. They've got this wide-eyed, well, they're wide-eyed as they drip water that they Yeah, generating. water sort of like, yeah. Their, their mouth is all like cracked. 
and water's just kind of falling out of their bodies. Yeah. You know? When the um, I can't remember her name, the the black lady when she becomes zombified, that I is I found quite a creepy image of her just kind of you know it's the eyes the glass. It's the eyes, yeah. It's the eyes. It's definitely the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. I like that. I found something genuinely quite uh, creepy. It's not a silly episode, which is nice. The only silliness really is when the doctor uh, hot wires the robot, and then you've got the guy controlling it, kind of going and shaking. <laughs> yeah, he sort of. <laughs> that's yeah, that's really goofy. I wonder why they did that. Just for a laugh, I suppose. Is it? Amid, I uh, guess. Like weirdness. that's that's the one laugh you get. Is it yeah. <laughs> in this episode? I like that they called it uh, Bowie Base. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, we'll, we'll get to that. So yeah, I, I like the whole idea of obviously that that central conundrum of I can't save these people because yes, it would alter history or well, the future. Well, we find um, out that the the woman who leads the base, what's her name? Is it Lindsay? Duncan? Adelaide. Bro- oh yeah, Lindsay Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Adelaide Brooke is yeah. the name of the character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we find out that um, during the invasion in Stolen Earth Journey's End, she was a child, uh, and a Dalek encountered her and didn't kill her it sort of spared her and it flew away and that sort of like we that ends up feeding into the idea that this is a fixed point in time like even the daleks even this like absolutist we will murder everything that isn't us race of beings even they knew they couldn't kill her yeah everyone honors this yeah yeah yes i like that idea i like that he doesn't adhere to it yes i think it's an interesting the only thing is i feel like the show is making too much of an effort to darken him like you didn't need to do this with this is definitely a um this feels like a massive tonal shift for the character mm, especially after planet of the dead and the yeah. next doctor as well yeah if this had followed on from journey's end i would still have wanted more of a build-up to this moment yeah but it would have felt like oh i can sort of see that they were making him gradually darker yeah but the fact that we sort of jump back to it almost being like a cartoon at times and then we yeah. jump to mm. like the waters of mars it does feel well, like very inconsistent. The, the thing is right what he does is a very very hubristic thing to do like he decides that he is above the laws of time and space right yeah so there's that and you'd be sort of because yeah you like these people and you kind of you want him to save them in a way so Mm. there's a kind of victoriousness to him doing it but then when so the person he saves adelaide brooke she having been made aware of the significance of her death yeah uh she basically balks at him saving her like, but i thought you said you couldn't you know what happened there yeah because throughout the episodes um he's sort of delivering information to the crew members that sort of makes them suspicious of who he is and what he knows yeah and then as everything starts to go wrong and as people start to die that's when the doc the doctor decides to leave and she sort of confronts him and says why aren't you saving us and then he kind of yeah he imparts the yeah. that knowledge onto her it's like you have to die because this basically allows the next step in human evolution to happen yeah. so she kind of accepts that she's like right okay then i will die i will accept this yeah fate and then when the doctor changes her mind she's like but you told me this was important yeah. why the hell are you doing this you know and i feel like it would have been enough as the viewer to go oh my god he sacrificed the the rules you know for altruism yeah but the fact that then she says what the fuck did he do that for and he, that would be a moment for him to go, oh, well, oh yeah, oh my God, I've just done a thing. Yeah. Mm. But no, he doubles down and he says, no, I can do what I want. I just saved you. Be grateful for it. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> Basically, right? So I could do what I want, you know? Yeah. Go on, go on, don't matter. I'm above it all. I can do what I want. It just felt like a step too far at that point. Mm. 
Like, it would have been enough had he just broken the rules, you know? Okay. She could have been grateful, and he could have not really realized it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was... Yeah. It was kind of too much. And then, obviously, she goes and offs herself in her house. Yes. Very dark ending. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Then Ood Sigma shows up. <laughs> he does. Right, okay. You know what's coming, don't you, Eddie? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why you laughed. The reason I can't drop the death thing, right, is that... So, at the end... Uh, Ood Sigma appears and there's this sense of oh are you here to as a siren as a harbinger of my you know impending death yeah and then he rejects it he's like no I'm I'm not yet and he runs away from it now for that to have any weight uh, and importance to me him rejecting his own death I need to know what that actually means uh, right if I'm going to accept his response to it yeah so that's that's one thing the second thing is is his death preordained because surely he says it himself, he's like the unrooted mover. He's the thing that can break the rules. Yeah. The fact he does change history is kind of evidence of that. Yes. So what's going on with this cosmic, ah, the fates are aligning, you are going to die when you... What does that even mean? Also, there are psychics to call back the planet <laughs> of the dead? Yeah, we didn't touch on no. that on planet of the dead, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, usually in a Doctor Who story, when you have something that's sort of... I don't know, how would you describe psychics? Uh, well, supernatural, right? Anything supernatural is given a sci-fi explanation. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But in Planets of, the Dead, uh, Planets of the Dead, no, she's just a psychic. Yeah. and Like, the fact they went through a wormhole is kind of amplifying her abilities. I think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the bullshit explanation they give. But also, like, her being psychic doesn't add anything to the story. No, It's not, not as if all. she's, like, uh, warning them of events and that's allowing them to survive, or it doesn't kind of allow them to communicate with the people on the other side of the portal. There's nothing like that. She just kind of goes, oh... Um, this is not good. Yeah, and this you is... <laughs> she this literally is like, he will knock four times. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's it's just like a... um, It's to keep a continuity, isn't it? Like, oh no, this is all one but thing. But his, de- his death... Yeah. Was, his death's planned from episode three of series four. His death is planned. So th- this whole thing about his death... Yeah. In series four, episode three... Right. Uh, the Ood say then that his song is ending soon. Okay, but what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, but no, that's not like the the specifics of his death probably weren't planned. Just the fact that David Tennant was going yeah, to leave. Yeah, was yeah, planned, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But that's like the yeah. first thing where they decided we're going to make this a thing of. Yeah, but with the Ood, that's fine because the Ood is sort of tapped into the the um the rhythm of the universe, aren't they? Yeah. Through songs, they can sort of understand things. I don't know how else you describe it. No, no, it. that's... But just this, like, woman who's like, oh, I'm going to go home have dinner with my husband now. Also, you're going to die. No, but e- even with the Ood tapping into, yeah, okay, the, the rhythm of the universe, how is his death ordained? I don't get how his death... Melody? Would melody be better? Melody of the universe rather than rhythm? Rhythm doesn't quite feel right as a... Well, as whatever, a whatever, whatever, however you want to express that. I still don't get how the thing outside space and time can have a linear... You're going to die soon. Well, soon doesn't mean anything. He's the doctor. <sighs> yeah, it but depends, I would say, no, I would say you've got to remember, for even for the psychic, whether she knows yeah. who the doctor is or not, in her vision, what she's seeing is someone knocking, he dies, yeah. that's that. Her vision doesn't necessarily have to go into the regeneration because... People know he's the doctor, unless you travel with him, you don't necessarily know about the whole regeneration thing. So the Ood are tapped into like everything. So it, again, yeah, it makes kind of sense that they yeah. would know that he's going to, something's going to happen soon. And by saying his song is ending, they're still inferring that that's not necessarily inferring death. That is inferring that his regeneration as David Tent is up. Yeah, that's all fair enough. I, I'm not, 
I don't have a problem with psychics in Doctor Who. I don't have a problem with the Ood. It's more the idea at all that you could foretell the Doctor regenerating or the Doctor dying. Um, I mean, I'm trying to understand. How Do- I mean, Doctor Who doesn't even remain consistent with its time no, travel I'm, sometimes. I'm sure but there's a there's I think a the idea travel. is that everyone has a timeline. Yeah, like whether then, you're a time yes. traveler or whether yeah. you're just moving linear, linearly through time, yes, you have every, a timeline. Every individual has a linear timeline. Yeah, yeah. So, like, twenty minutes for the Doctor, he could be in, you know, the fifteen hundreds, the twenty seven hundreds, and the beginning of the universe. But it's still like twenty minutes of his timeline have still expired. If that makes sense. Yeah, you know? in, in, in Doctor time. Yeah, yeah, in Doctor time, his song is ending soon. Yes. David Tennant's song is ending soon. Because this, yes, I know this is we've had this discussion already, but it is genuinely a case of. We're not saying goodbye to the character of the Doctor. We're saying goodbye to the actor. Yeah. People are invested in the actor. It's this weird um, mindset you're in with Doctor Who because you're sort of, you are investing in it as a show. Yeah. And you are investing in the stories that are being told. But you're also very much aware of, because the actor playing the main character can change and because that's like explained within the universe of the show, Mm. you are kind of aware of the show as a construction outside of the stories that are being told. So yeah. when a Doctor regenerates, even though it's the same character, and yeah, I suppose if you want to be thing about it, we, why should we even care that he's changing? He's still the same character. But it's the actor we're saying goodbye to. But I, I don't think that's being uh, nitpicky or persnickety. I think that's I'm not a saying it's being thing. nitpicky. Yeah. I'm not saying it at all. I'm just saying that that is, no, no, that is I, the relationship you, you, the viewer has with Doctor Who. And I obviously understand that. I just think there's a cleverer way of doing it. There's a way of doing it where you can have a cathartic farewell to the actor without it having the same gravity within the show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but people who write stuff like that and come up with ideas like that don't write Doctor Who. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is that like with the the Sonic discussion where there's two hours of me like defending the franchise (laughs) and then I go, oh, but it's not that good really. (laughs) (laughs) Like we've just, we've just been bending over backwards to try and like give it some sort of logic and we, and then you're going yeah but it doesn't you know <laughs> some of that's good. really there <laughs> it's kind of a tangent but uh we sort of talked about this the other day that even in no nonsense shows like uh the sopranos or you know where the showrunner and the show itself is no faff no bullshit yeah whenever they have featured psychics they have never explained away the supernatural element with a real world you know explanation it i don't know what it, yeah they never debunk it. like if if someone makes sort of like a, a premonitious statement that statement usually turns out to be true it's either yeah it's either treated with an ambiguity or yeah lent some credence i don't know what and yeah i don't know what that is i don't know if that's just like as because obviously you know the people who run shows are very writery people they mm. enjoy writing and i don't know whether that's just the writer in them enjoying the poetry of something being predetermined or something being uh, like a fate being presented to the character and seeing how they react to that. Maybe. Po- I think an argument could... Be, I mean, it could just be a coincidence, right? Yeah. But I think part of it might be to bring on a psychic and then kind of... Just um, disprove them would disprove seem them. cruel. Not cruel. It would just be... It's, it's the easiest thing in the world to do, isn't it? In, invent yeah. a medium character that then you discredit. It's more interesting to not do that. And mm. yeah, again, it's just like grandstanding of like, haha, look, we brought in, obviously they're a fake. It's like, well, that's easy. That's just, that's cheap storytelling. I don't Yeah, like. exactly. Yeah. So anyway, that was tangent. Um, okay. Yes. I like the waters uh, of Mars. Okay. It gets a thumbs up. Yes. Uh, Do you think this episode 
justifies no <laughs> okay <laughs> no, no, <laughs> i already know where i was going with we that. could have had we could I have mean, had this episode as a series four episode you that's know? the thing i don't know where it would if you were to completely get rid of the specials I don't know how you keep the waters of Mars because it has to come after Journey's End. You, you, but you Journey's make, End is you make the finale's this, finale that ever finales. You, you know? make this oh, okay. the Christmas special. You get rid of the next Doctor. You make this the Christmas. Really? Special. You're gonna you're gonna make the waters of Mars a fucking Christmas special? You just ignore the fact that all it, the family gathered well, do, around do, watching no, David but do Tennant like what they did. Suicide. So when, when Chibnall t- takes over a screenwriter, one of the things he did is he took the special off of Christmas and he made it a New Year's thing. Well, yeah. have it on New have it on New Year's instead of Christmas. I mean, as it exists, obviously it can't be anywhere other than where it is. But with some amendments, just you, you plant it right in the middle of series four, and you've got a blink on your hands. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you. Donna can't go because he's only got one spacesuit, right? I don't know. You come up with some reason. So he goes on his own to Mars and you play out this story. And the big thing of the story is sometimes he's in a position to change history. Should he or shouldn't he? He does. It produces this horrible real world effect where this woman kills herself. And then, you know, yeah. that's an episode. That you, I think that it's more the implications be... that that episode carries. You can't have what? the water like of Mars and then, well, like the fact that the Doctor did what he did and the fact that, you know, this has marked a change in the character in a way. Yeah. You can't just put this in the middle of the series and be like, all right, back to business as usual. Well, you do it towards the end of the series run then. You know, you do it in the lead up to the big finale. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't require too many changes. It's just a shame you didn't think of it earlier, I guess. Right. As a story mm. idea. But no, it, I don't think it justifies all these all these specials um, as good as it is. Mm. Um, so my alternate titles, Strife on Mars, obvious, I had to get the obvious <laughs> one out of the way. Then it gets a bit more esoteric. So obviously the woman who kills herself is called Adelaide. Mm. Um, so I've got Adelaide Down Under. Right, okay. I've got uh, Brook of the Dead. <laughs> my favourite one, uh, Hydro- Hydrogen Zomb. Um, <laughs> uh or oh. like the most obvious tightly one, uh, like a Doctor Water. Uh, but my favorite one, <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite one is Hydrogen Zomb. I gotta say. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's. Well, fun. you are you 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 are really committing to this uh, alternate title business, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I it's am. like I am going to come up with all the puns. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thumbs up. Yes. Uh, what do you, do you um, consider this to be one of David Tennant's strongest episodes? The fra- the fr- the phrasing of that. How do you, what do you mean exactly? Well, I suppose in terms of his performance, definitely. But also, this episode is considered. I don't think it's considered the best David Tennant episodes. Mm. Even taking Blink out of the equation. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm talking about an episode that David Tennant is actually in, as you've said in a, in a previous podcast. Yeah. Maybe. But like the Waters of Mars is held in very high regard. It's considered like one of the best episodes of the entire mm-hmm. of Russell T. Davis's entire run of the show. Yeah. Let alone David Tennant's run of the show. I suppose all I'm asking really is do you agree with that? Do you think this is like maybe not essential Doctor Well, no, yeah. Is it essential Doctor Who viewing, if not essential viewing outside of the show, like Blink is? Uh it's top ten, definitely. Yeah. I don't know, I'd have to go back and kind of gather, you know, a collected assessment, I suppose. But um It t- it make my top ten. Yeah. It it probably it probably make my top ten. Okay, so far. Well, we've only got two more episodes of David Tennant that could uh, knock it out of the top ten. Oh, s- spoiler! They don't. <laughs> um, Are okay. we discussing them as separate episodes or yeah. as an entire story? Yeah, okay, we're gonna have to do right. separately. Um, okay. Okay. The end of time part one. Yes. Right. What's with this fantasy bullshit? <laughs> Hang on. What, what, all right. What what bullshit are you want about? 
Well, there's a lot of bullshit in this episode. We yeah, need to yeah. delineate which bullshit you're talking about. The fa- like, you know, the the narrator sort of framework of there was once a doctor and one day, you know, it's got a very fantasy kind of um, trapping to it, I suppose. I think they uh, they make that diegetic by the ep- end of the episode. They though, they right? do they do, but I wasn't a fan of that. Okay, the Tardis in the stained glass, not a fan of that. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So you know when he turns up on, uh, it's the same plant, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's Plant of the Ood again. Of the Ood, yeah. yeah. He's just left the scene of a suicide, right? No, that is okay. that is a little bit of a spoiler. But I think in the episode you're supposed to know that well, there's he's been gone, he's gone off uh, like a, like a there's been some time between the waters of Mars and the end of time. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. I I I was under the impression that he just left the suicide, and all of a sudden he's got a sombrero and a garland, and you're like, <laughs> um, you're a sociopath. Oh no, oh, it no, is okay. it is still again yeah. it's a tonal shift, but yeah. you know because like if you're binge watching it as well, the last thing you just saw was David Tennant dealing with. Oh holy shit! I just like changed history, yeah, and it resulted in this woman committing suicide, which is a far less noble death than before. <laughs> yeah, and then the next time you see him, he's like, yeah, he looks like he's just been to like a stag do. Yeah, but uh, no, yeah. The, okay. In fairness, there has been some time in the show. Okay, as well. yeah, he's married. By this point, he's married good Queen Bess. Okay, um, the, the moment where he locks the TARDIS and it's like a car lock, and he's like, it's funny. He's like, like if you say so, if you say so, David Tennant. <laughs> yeah, he was. He's bugging me at this point. Okay. Which is good that it's his final outing, I suppose. Because well, surely he, he hasn't bugged for me. For his at all. death to mean anything, you have to like him in his final outing. Oh, well, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found him irritating. Especially the way that. Oh, uh, no. that's we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to it when we get to it. Okay. Yeah. When they get uh, Harold Saxon's wife. And I got. Okay. So I think that runs through all this episode and the next one is a lot of really bad writing. Yeah. And a lot of bad dialogue, which Russell T. Davis has not done. No. Um, for the most no. part. It's almost like he's operating with a scorched earth MO. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know why, but... So, like, Aaron Sorkin, when he left the West Wing after season four, he's denied it, and I don't know, but it's been widely speculated that he left that show in a state where it would be very difficult to untangle it. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Going to season five. Uh, as like a fuck you to the network basically and it feels a bit like that that he that Russell T. Davis is like I'm just gonna fuck everything up right um, so you can't come back from it he starts to resolve it a little bit more towards the end but there's a lot of like oh you it's like you just stopped caring mm. okay so when they get Harold Saxon's wife uh, she says the woman you were his wife you bore his imprint like that's a very classy way of saying he fucked you <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, the- it's very like, oh, we need to be careful how we... Because they they um, they basically just put, like, a tissue on her lips. Or, li- like, yeah, we kissed her. Yeah, it's yeah, so a little yeah. bit of lipstick goes in the in the Harold Saxon juice or Yeah, they, they didn't swab her vag. No. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I would have had... After what's to Mars, I felt like, you a know... A bad swab would be, yeah, welcome. Yeah, no, just like you're pulling in... You're like, you know, you gave an episode to the older audience. They're sort of paying attention now. Get You know, yeah. go, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. And then, okay, so solidifying that fantasy element, you've got the potions. Yeah. <laughs> and like the lightning and all that sort of stuff. Then there's like horror elements. I, I kept singing Bohemian Rhapsody in my head. Like, is this horror? Is this just fantasy? Right. Um, and then, right, then you've got the master himself. Yeah. So peroxide blonde now. Yeah. Peroxide blonde yep. monk, like the villain from the Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. So there's that mixed with Cole McGrath mixed with Gollum is like <laughs> what he is in this episode 
Yeah. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? it it's all, it's in the realms of the very stupid now. He occasionally turns into a They Live alien as well. Yeah. And he's got Palpatine-like abilities. And Johnson yeah, is committing that, yeah. and good for him, but it's, <laughs> it's just starkly stupid. It's like, when he goes, dinner time, it's... It's yeah. like okay, All and right. eating as well. Like it's just like yeah, ravenous ramming eating. this food. I think he actually did that though. He did. He, he did. He he properly ate burger. Yeah, I think he. I think well, they did more than one take, so he ate more than one, and he did that. Right. Yeah, every time. Um, I didn't really understand what was happening. Nope. Nor did I care. Nope. Okay. To be honest, there's that scene where you get like the the uh, the doctor and the master reacquainting after all this time and there's like a very dramatic scene and then just Cribbin shows up with a bunch of OAPs and the doctor's getting his photo taken with them yeah it's like what well, is this a fucking mess what's going on <laughs> I liked when they were in the uh, like the, the cafe and then he sees Donna from a distance and then Cribbins is like she's got this face it's like she's so sad that she can't remember why like welcome to adulthood that's <laughs> what adulthood is Fair play to you, um, Bernard Cribbins, if you manage to go through your entire life and the concept of being a sad adult is like just, it, you missed the Yeah, completely. I gotta say, coming from a man who's got a face that is always a little bit sad. Yeah. He's just got a face that always looks vaguely upset about something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that because of the, the tonal inconsistency and this scorched earth policy, it starts to feel like none of it is really happening. I don't know if you've got that sense. Um, it's like, because of its narrator framing and its kind of sense of exaggeration... It's almost like an alternate reality episode. I just thought it was over the top. Do you know what I mean? Though? But because yeah. of that, because of how so over the top it is, it feels like at the end of it, you're going to go, ah, this was like one of those Catherine Tate is in a different life thing going on. Okay. No, I didn't feel that. I think it's it's such a strange finale. Yeah. Because this is the actual finale yeah, yeah. To, the, to, the, to all of this stuff. And it just feels, considering the implications of the episode and how big the episode is trying to be, like it brings back the master, it brings back the time lords, it brings back Gallifrey, yeah. as we find out by the end of the episode yeah. and sort of at the beginning of the next one. It brings back Bernard Cribbins, it brings back like Donna a little bit. Yeah. And it's sort of like referencing and sort of following on from all of these like episodes and adventures that David Tennant has gone on. Like it brings back the Ood and it references mm. Awesome Mars and all that sort of stuff. It feels so small. It feels like a tiny little story, despite having all of these like massive lore elements in it. That's you know? interesting. I never thought it was small. Well, it's just like a lot of it. A lot of the first episode is just kind of like John Sim and David Tennant, like in a quarry. Yeah, like near a dock, basically. Yeah, no, okay. On, in that sense, fair enough, I suppose so. But I, mm. I think it's it's tone kind of shattered that. Well, I'm wondering if that's why they went with the narration elements. Like, oh, this is this feels so small. We need to make this episode feel bigger than it actually is. Yeah, maybe. And also, let's use uh, Timothy Dalton. We fucking hired the guy. Let's use him. You know? Yeah, shame in it. <laughs> yeah. um, was Catherine Tate pregnant? I have no idea. Oh, it. I don't know. Maybe okay. she was just fat. So. Yeah, maybe. But she okay. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Fair play to you. Like you, 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 you gave her an out. I gave like, her oh, an out. She might yeah. be pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, feeding into the scorched earth theory of like, oh, I can't be bothered anymore. So I'll, I'll just instead of cl- like work, cleverly working out the minutia, I'll just I'll do the shorthand. President Obama ends recession tonight. What does that even mean? What does that mean? <laughs> President Obama has come up with a financial plan that's going to change the fucking that world. Was oh, he's going to end recession tonight. And they say that on the news. President Obama ends recession tonight. And then characters are saying it to each other. Yeah. Oh, Obama's going to end recession. What do you mean? It's weird because, firstly, it's President Obama. I think it's the first time in Russell T. Da- Russell T. Davis's run where he's used a real-life yes. figure in office. Yes, he has. Yeah. So it's weird that they used Obama. 
Again, I don't know if that's to make it feel bigger than it is. Like, oh, let's use the actual president. Topical quote, unquote, as well. Topical as well. And also the fact the fact that so many times it said, like, oh, President Obama's going to end recession. It feels like it's going to play into the story somehow. Like, oh, you'll find out yeah. that Rassilon was Barack Obama all along, or Barack Obama is a time lord, and he's like, you know, part of the master's master plan. I mean, I probably would have rated it if he's Barack Obama turned it. out to be a time lord. Yeah. I mean, th- then you've got lines like, um, is it Joshua Naismith? Is that his name? Yeah. Yes. Uh, David Hayward. Yeah. I want her to never die. Oof, there is some, <laughs> there is some ripe dialogue yep. in this episode. Yep. Um, th- is the it music just me? underneath it, or did his relationship with his daughter seem a little inappropriate? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, there's something not quite right there. Yeah, I completely um, understand the desire to have your children live forever, mm. but there's almost like a weirdly they they seem a little too intimate. Those two, it's the way yes. they're talking to each other. Absolutely, it's like, yeah. it's um, like tr- the way Trump talked about his own daughter. Yes, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it right, it's. It's a really dumb episode, and yeah. but you're kind of carried along, not really knowing what's happening, but the music underneath it constantly, and the tonal vacillation, it kind of propels you along with nothing, nothing, nothing happening badly. Yeah. <laughs> but still, my big note of the episode is, whoa, that was a whole lot of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, well, now you have David Tennant crying, so it must be good, right? <sighs> Yeah, I was really disappointed rewatching this. Really disappointed. <laughs> Have you like, until now had you rewatched it prior to its initial airing? No, no, I hadn't either. I, and I think that speaks yeah, a lot. I was to, so disappointed. <laughs> like how important, it. considering that it is the literally the end of an era for yeah. multiple people who are involved in the show. It says a lot that we've had no compulsion to go back to it. Yeah, yeah it's true. Okay, so based on the ending for this episode, my alternate title is "Being John Sim." Yeah, okay. Oh, come on. That's fucking good. That's good. How's come it, on. How's it good? Well, it's like being John Malkovich, isn't it? Well, yeah, but... Because that, there's that scene of being John Malkovich where everyone is a Malkovich. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not having that. That is a better <laughs> than that. That's a good, that's a good title, that is. That's no, because that's just... Oh, yeah, being John Sim. Yeah, John Sim. He's an actor in But it's show. a reference yeah. to being John Malkovich. I know it's a reference to being John yes. Malkovich. But... There you go. Clever. <laughs> right, the end of time, really, part two. It is, it is clever. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, it is clever. The end if it was time. clever, I would have gone, oh, that's really clever. But no, I you no, wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You, would, you don't give me any clever credit. I, yeah, I, you, no, you I, I declared that Trouble Decker was the one that that's we not, definitely but that's, the, that's the easiest, that's the worst that's one. That's not. The Sands of Time was the easiest one. Trouble Decker is like, Trouble, you know, No, it's not. It's like, okay, that's Double Decker. That's inspired. I'll Decker. say it. It no, was inspired. It, was, it wasn't inspired. Take the fucking it's, credit. It's that. It's the equivalent of that episode of Strife on Mars. It's like, okay, you get. You do get out of the way. Get that one out of the way. Then you can move on to the better ones. Right. Anyway, the end of time part two. Timothy Dalton at the at the start saying, I will not die. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> and then, right, so you know they're obviously trying to do this thing where like the doctor and the master have this like symbiotic relationship. Yes. And like they define it as like Batman and the Joker, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um but they're not. And like when the doctor says to him, I wonder what I'd be without you. Well, what you've been for most of the series, mate. Yeah. Like, you didn't know about him until the very end of series three, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm not too familiar with their relationship prior to the revival, so I don't know if this is calling back to what they were doing to the Master before. I don't think it was. I don't think the Master was like this. But, yeah, it does... Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I liked the um, when, the, when Joshua Naismith sort of abducts the Master. I mean, this is sort of episode one material. But, like, um, 
when he brings him in and he's like, oh, uh, John Sims Master, can you like do this really clever thing? And in mm. that moment, it sort of feels like he's the doctor almost. Not in his behavior, right. just like the role he's playing in that scene. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I like that. I like that as a kid as well. I like the idea of like treating the master like he's a time lord. Like not that he's yeah. a villain, just like I like those moments where you sort of see the where what the master is kind of shines through rather than him just being like the opposing force in a story. If that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I get you. Yeah. The evil laughter wears thin very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish you'd stop doing that. Yeah. Um, there's that scene with... what? What's that species called? You know, the cactus people? I don't think they... Oh, no, they do say. Because the machine is... Uh, uh, the, 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 the Vimvochi. Yeah. It was that joke, isn't it, where it says, oh, the cactuses did this. It's like, it's cacti. And then he goes, that's racist. Yeah. Like, what? Again, it's like that was really bad, lazy, oh, yeah, joke but it is, writing, you know? But it is cacti. That is the plural. I know, yeah, it's yeah. This, I you know. know, if he if he if he'd said cactuses, that's racist. I, then maybe I guess the idea is that referring to them as that as cacti is racist. Okay, it's like, just it's like shit black writing. Uh, yeah, it really doesn't cacti. matter. It's just no. shit writing. No, no. Think now. What they're trying to do, isn't it? Is it's the equivalent of saying like a black person's a monkey. I don't think they're trying to do anything. I think they're just like no, oh, no, no. no, no. That is you know what, what, you know what I mean. But it's yeah. that obviously they're not trying to make a sincere point with it. But like they look like cacti, yeah. and so you say, "Oh, it's cacti." To them, that's racist because they're not cacti. They're whatever they are. Oh no, I thought the I, I thought the idea that the word cactuses was okay, but cacti is racist. No, I don't no. think so. I think it was just referring to them as that. I see. You know? Okay, right. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> it's like no, we are cactuses. No, you're not. What yeah. are you saying? Okay. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I've been working on the assumption all this time that it was the word cacti they had a problem with rather than the idea okay. they were being compared to cap- to cactuses. <laughs> cactuses. Okay. Um, the situation room graphics are atrocious, aren't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're really bad. Yeah. Uh, so, Eddie, you brought up that he's got the Darth Sidious Palpatine energy burst thing. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars in this episode. Yes. A lot of Star Wars vibes. Yes. Um, got the senate you've got like dog fights the music is even john williams-esque at points yep okay there's a lot how the fuck did he survive that fall <laughs> yeah he's not he's not you know time lords are still he's basically human isn't he just with two hearts yeah i suppose yeah yeah so well, how the if, fuck if, did he survive that yeah that yeah that's bullshit that's bullshit <laughs> we have no answer yeah. for you it's bad no, no, it's, I it's we can't defend yeah. it you know yeah, I honestly didn't know what was happening. Okay. I just wrote, I was like, I doubt it would be, but I hope this isn't the tipping point where I can't keep track anymore. Because, like, so much was happening about Gallifrey and all that. I was like, oh, I hope there's not too much detail now that it's forever ruined for me. Yeah. Because I can't keep track of it. But this is anomalous, right? This episode is just a confusing mess. Yeah. Um, Not saying it will never happen again, but, like, it doesn't set a precedent, does it? No. No. Uh, no. No, yeah, right. it, it's it, not it, as if... No, it has its confusing moments. Right. Are, are, are the best days over? Yes. I would say... Fuck! I would say no. Okay. Because I, I there's a lot like, to go. I know you don't like Series 5, Eddie, but I quite like Series 5. Which one's the one with the Weeping Angels? Is that Series 5? Oh, you mean five? the two-parter? Yeah. Yeah, that's Series 5, yeah. In which case, this is the series I don't really mind, but I don't think it's as... Still don't think it's as good. Okay. I mean, I quite like it as a season, not just as a collection of episodes. I really like the season as a whole. Mm. Um, that Weeping Angels episode, it's all stuff we'll get to, but oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. not great. But yeah, very, I would say I mean, the first half's very highly regarded. Of the two-parter? Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, the first, I know, I know the why the second half, half is, is like... Uh, 
Yeah, the second half isn't, but the first half of that is really highly regarded. Yeah, but no, in answer to your question, Sam, I'm I don't know if Eddie has a different answer, but mm. I think the next season is quite quite good. I really like the next okay. season. Season six, I don't really like at all, although there are some good episodes mm. in it. Season seven is just peaks and troughs all over the place, and then from series eight onwards, it starts to go downhill. Like every season is worse than the next. Uh, the next season is worse than the one before. You know. Okay. So yeah, you you've um, what is considered the golden age of Doctor Who series three, right? That's gotta be the golden. I age. know that's considered like you yeah. know the highlight of Doctor Who, but yeah. I think the golden age is considered to be like I think series five is in the golden age, right, Eddie? And yeah, in terms of what you consider the the golden age, yes, yeah, so it, it series five is like the last one really in the golden age. Yeah, that's the last like definitively okay. good season of Doctor Who. I would say so. One to five is is the golden age, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and then okay. from six onwards, yeah. Six onwards, you're just hoping for good episodes. Yeah. Okay. So back to the end of time. All these planets, Gallifrey and every other planet that were entering our atmosphere, how they're not fucking up the ecosystem is beyond <laughs> me. Yeah, it did feel a bit like... I'm surprised that like when uh, Gallifrey started appearing in Earth's sky, no one was like, it's happening again. Yeah. Because we've literally <laughs> just done this, you know? Yeah. 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 It probably hasn't been a year since the last time planets were in the sky. It's a bit of a, um, a nitpick. The fact that uh, Timothy Dalton is Lord President, that's his title. Yes. Mm-hmm. It bothers me that that's a mixture of a republic and a peerage. I can't, I can't abide <laughs> that. You can't be a lord and a president. No, no, no. That's one or the two, mate. Uh, it's a time it's, lord, it's though. Clearly, it might be, it might be all right. No, I know. But kosher. it's clearly a, uh, it's like a republic, isn't it? It's like a senate sort of thing. Yeah. That's the yes, vibe you get. Yes, but also from, they're yeah. lords, aren't they? They're kind of... Um, he is the, the he's the lord president of time. Yeah. Whatever that means. Yeah. Um... Oh, they cap... Well, not the the very last scene, but they cap it all off with a cantina scene. It's like, oh, okay, you were going for a Star Wars. Oh, yes. yeah, yes, yes. Vibe. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's and fully you get them all. in the influence. You, you get them all. You get the Hath, you get the Jadoon, you get you get them all. You even get a Sladeen. Yeah. Because everyone wanted those back. <laughs> everyone wanted those back. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, if it um, just had Peter Kay's Absorbal off, just like in the background somehow, <laughs> that really just would have topped off the whole thing. Just in a bar fight with one of the Sladeens, just fucking, you know, <laughs> yeah. scuffling in the background. Again, I, I'm, you know, I'm only ever operating right within like the internal logic of the show. So I know that the real answer to this is we want to say goodbye to David Tennant. Yeah. But within the logic of the show, I got to say, it's really nice that he absorbed just enough radiation for a nostalgia tool. <laughs> it's nice that he didn't absorb enough to kill him outright. Yeah. It's nice that he got just the right amount that he can go and have a nice goodbye with everyone. Yeah. Um, can I ask a question very, very quickly? Yeah. This song that plays during that quote unquote cantina scene, mm. is that the song that Tallulah performs to in Daleks in Manhattan. It is, yeah. Yeah, I thought I recognised yeah. it. Why is that in a space cantina? Um, <laughs> uh, well, I guess they have humans there as well, right? Okay. I don't it's know. Just, it's, yeah, well, they, have, they have gays there, so they must have humans as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know it's um, an alien society. They'll lend the gays, but the humans... <laughs> alien, yeah. yeah well, the one that. thing I will say, right, is I know he absorbed enough radiation to kill him. But given that he absorbs radiation in Smith and Jones, I love the fact that, like, if he'd have just tried to get it out of his shoe, <laughs> like, if he just tried starting yeah. that, oh, ju- ju- you know, like just the, as- um, like, have you ever seen The Champ? No. All right, the, 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 there's an old film called The Champ, right? And it's famous for its ending where it's about a boxer and um and his son, his young son, and at the end of the film, the champ is killed in the ring, and it ends with his son trying to wake him up, going, "Come on, champ." Come on. And it's like regarded as one of the, the saddest endings, mm, okay. right? Or like uh, uh, Pikachu trying to revive Ash. It'd be funny if you ended the whole thing with David Tennant just like 
<laughs> hopelessly trying to get it all out through his shoe. Like, come on! <laughs> no, I'm just sobbing as, like, the radiation's poisoning him. Yeah. Um, Literally, if they'd done that and then just not given him the nostalgia tour and then he just ha- gone back to the TARDIS and died. Just died, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been quite nice, actually. Like, a, you know, a... Yeah, just a quiet, mournful... Um, I'm going outside and maybe sometime yeah. final walk, you know, that would have been quite nice. Mm. Um, but I get why they did it. I don't um, understand the mechanics of that booth. Considering it's the thing that essentially kills David Tennant, I don't understand how it works at all. Is the idea that, like, no. you, you stand in the booth and you are the power source? Is that how it works? I honestly don't know. It didn't, like, because he has to get him out and replace him. Yeah, because um, Bernard Cribbins is in there. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler, he's the one who ends up knocking four times. I do, I do like that. But I don't know if that's just like that would be better on the page than in execution. Yeah. What I do love is it's clearly setting up that like the master keeps hearing the four beats of the drum. Yeah. And you're like, ah, that's how David Tennant's gonna die. But it's not, it's Bernard Cribbins. And it's yeah. just kind of like an incidental yeah. moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Although I like the fact that they were like, even if you think you know, you won't figure this out. And I was like, actually, no, that's not the most difficult thing to figure out once you knew Bernard Cribbins was in the episode. Because once you knew he was the companion for the episode and they were bringing him back especially for the episode, he had to have more of a purpose other than just the fact that he was Donna's granddad. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, I, I like the... It's almost like a fan theory that they put into the show in a way. Um, You know, remember like in Sherlock when there was that... After he fell off the roof, jumped off the roof at the end of series two. Yep. And then it, it was just flooded with fan theories about what happened, right? Mm. And then they sort of pod in, in a way, a, a fan theory about Darren Brown oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, coming and doing it. And it's like, oh, clearly this is like a, a nudge. Because they even had him and Moriarty kiss, didn't they? So yes, yeah. Like pure fan service, like a little in-joke. It almost feels like that with this idea of the doc- the, the four knocks being the heartbeat of the Doctor because he has two hearts. Yeah. That's almost like a fan has come up with that, you know? And they've gone, ooh, that's good. We'll, okay. We'll put that in. Um... Jessica Hines bears a fucking uncanny resemblance to her grandmother, doesn't she? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In fairness. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, in fairness, they've already done this. Like, even Miles, they did that with. Oh, what? Is is that, it's her ancestor, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Um, And also, that's (laughs) That's not not uncommon for, like, time travel shows to use the same actor playing, like, the ancestor and the offspring, you know? That is the criticism of Doctor Who. What, What other time travel show does that? Well, other ones... Go on. <laughs> I can't think of any, but there's, I've definitely seen that before. Do- I've definitely Doctor seen that. Who okay. definitely Doctor does that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's not, okay. Well, it's not okay. Okay. Um, that's it, really. Uh, what a shame. What a shame to end on such a bum note. Yeah. Um, when the Doctor thumbs down, obviously. is yeah. holding the gun and he's like switching between Rassilon and the Master, he's got the trigger pulled. But if you noticed he does. that. <laughs> yeah. He does, yeah. Yeah. Also, it's well, like, okay, that completely we got to the, the point where the scene doesn't it? Point, we got to the point where the man who absolutely abhors violence holds two people at gunpoint. Right. Here's yeah, the thing. I, I, I wonder whether know. that's deliberate. Oh yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely deliberate. deliberate. I don't know how I feel about that because it's preceded by basically David Tennant and Bernard Cribbins are on a ship having a conversation, um, and Bernard Cribbins is like, "I've been told, oh yeah, we should probably discuss the woman, the Time Lord woman. We'll come back to her. Um, we also stopped doing premises." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, shit! I forgot. Um, oh, oh, David it. Tennant dies. Yeah, that's we've the been episode. going. We we've been forget. going long enough at this point. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Bernard Cribbins was has been told by this woman who he keeps seeing, and only Bernard Cribbins can see that he needs to arm himself. So he sort of offers a gun to the doctor, and the doctor's like, yeah, "I never use guns. It's not my. It's not my mo." And Ber- Bernard Cribbins is basically like, "No, you must use it, doctor." The master is going to like the master has changed 
the face of everyone on the planet to look like him. If you kill him, it will restore everyone. You have to kill the master. And he gives like this power, not powerful, but he like really leans into like, I insist, Doctor, you have to do this. And David Tennant just goes, no, I would never do that. Mm. So it's reinforcing, like even in these like dire circumstances, David Tennant will not resort to holding a gun or like using a gun. Mm. And then immediately after that, he finds out that the Time Lords are returning and he snatches the gun off Bernard Cribbins. Yeah. Now, obviously the idea of that scene is we're like, doubling down on the Doctor's philosophy so you know exactly who he is and what he is willing to do and what he's not willing to do. Yeah. And then the mere mention of the Time Lords. The Time Lords are so bad, they're so villainous, that the mere mention of them is enough for the Doctor to corrupt his code. Well, I think that scene, what it's also doing, right, with Cribbins, it's sort of planting the idea that his pacifism is going to kill him, right? There is that as well, yeah. 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 So if I'm watching that scene, I'm thinking, oh, his refusal to... Uh, be violent is ultimately what's gonna you know um, do him in but yeah they I get alright so when he has the gun and then he shoots the diamond yeah okay that's fair enough he's using the gun in a non-violent way but again it's like within the logic of the show is he blue balling the audience that he's gonna shoot one of these two people yeah or is he genuinely struggling with uh, who he's gonna shoot and then opts for the diamond I think I think it's a genuine struggle okay fair enough yeah but yeah it, it does seem odd to put them right next to each other, you know? That's the yeah. thing I was going to say. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. Because it's a really yeah. nice moment. In in an episode that's generally not very good, the Doctor refusing to take the gun from Bernard Cribbins, it's actually quite a nice moment because it really feels like, ah, yes, there's the Doctor. Um, mm. And then the fact that they almost immediately go back on that, I completely get it. I know exactly mm. what it's accomplishing and I think it does accomplish it. But I don't know how I feel about it. The fact that you've set him up as like this pure pacifist and now you're immediately going back on your word, you know? Yeah, it doesn't make... It, it, just, it didn't have the time. I needed more than a quick reminder before the scene. It's, they should have played with that more. Yeah. He has an opportunity to resolve a situation with a gun. He doesn't take it. He has to find a workaround or whatever. And then you have him pick it up at the end for that. Yeah. But otherwise, it just feels like they're kind of doing their homework of going, right, just remember... We just ha- You have to know before the scene where he has a gun that's a big deal if he has a gun. Yes, all right? yeah. And yeah, no, it's it needed more time to breathe, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You want to talk about the time travel woman? Yeah. Who do you think she is? I don't know. Because I'll be, I'll be fucked if the episode told me. I don't think the episode ever says who she is, right? Nope. Oh, right, okay. I assumed they were introducing a mystery to be explained later. Maybe that's what Russell T. Davis was doing. Maybe that was his, like, right. one uh, olive branch olive to branch. the next showrunner. Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe you'll want to do something with this. But no, yeah, yeah. no the, the, as far as I understand, if you go off most fan theories, the whole point is supposed to be that she's supposed to be his mother. Right. The Doctor's mother, yeah? Yeah, that is supposed okay. to be the Doctor's mother, hence why she refu- she's one of the two people that refuses to bring Gallifrey. Oh, is she actually one of the people who refuses? Yes, which is why she stands oh, there no, with her I eyes thought, covered. Yeah, like he says, like, you will stand... No, because he says you will stand in their place as the Weeping Angels of old or something like that. I thought the implication was that she represents someone who denied, who voted against the motion to bring back Gallifrey. I didn't think she actually was one of those no, people. No, she's one of the two. Okay. Anyway, it's, it's all a crock it's, of shit. It's bullshit. It's, it's all, like, they honestly. Never, she's like important, very important to the story of this episode because she's the person who basically puts the pieces in place. But the show never explains who she is. And it's a crock of shit. I genuinely don't know yeah, who she is. Yeah, it's rubbish. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Alternate um, title? Right. Alternate titles. Um... This one was quite difficult as well. So, uh, same house, new tenant. Yeah, I know. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, see, that's better than fucking being John Sim. <laughs> no, it's not. 
then you've got he's the tenth Doctor, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. So top ten, top ten, um, and then my favourite one based on the decision between uh, Gallifrey and the Master uh, between a cock and a charred place. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. So I that's like that. my title. For right. This episode. Okay. Uh, yeah, thumbs down. Yeah. These specials in general, thumbs down. Yeah. Minus Waters of Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an episode you can watch in. And I feel like if you like you watch Journey's End, then you watch The Waters of Mars, then you watch like the regeneration scene. You don't bother with the rest of it. You might <laughs> okay. be alright. Yeah. Do you want to do like uh, like a fan edit they did with Phantom Menace? <laughs> that's that that is the specials. Maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, what did you think of the regeneration? Because they really like give time to it. You know, he goes on his whole reunion tour where you see all of the companions mm. where they are now. He does that thing where he buys Donna a lottery ticket with money that Donna's father gave him. Yeah. Which is a really nice gesture. That's like a nice, mo- that's a very doctory thing to do, it I think. It was so annoying by that point. Oh, well, yes. I mean, yeah. But does, wh- why isn't he concentrating on Africa, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the doing this for himself, isn't he? He says, I'm going to claim my reward. So the fact that he gets to sort of save oh, his nice. companions one last time. Like he right. saves Martha and Mickey from the Santaran. Which saves... they married off. Yes. Um... That's racist, isn't it? <laughs> well, let's not think about that. Let's not get into that. <laughs> um, yeah, like he sort of introduces Alonzo to Captain Jack. He does all these different things. And the thing he does for Donna is he buys her a lottery ticket. And then he tells yeah. Donna's mother and Bernard Cribbins, oh, the money I used to buy this lottery ticket is from your husband. Your I don't know what his relation to Bernard Cribbins is. Is he his son-in-law? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Who now? Uh, uh, the Donna's father. Yeah, his father-in-law. His father-in-law, yeah. yeah. Although, <laughs> how much of a dick move would it be if they play that lottery ticket and they win, they, they win like, a tenner? Because <laughs> I feel like it's one thing to, like, give them a lottery ticket in which none of the numbers match. Mm. You could just be like, oh, I don't know, something happened. But the fact that you, like, win the lowest amount possible, I feel like that's a statement, you know? <laughs> this is how much I think of you. I think I would, I would go out, right? <laughs> I would go out in a yin-yang fashion in a way that kind of embodies the complexity, the shades of life that God, you know, he gives with one hand, he takes away with the other, right. all that. What I would do is I would give the winning lottery ticket, but to every companion. And so they <laughs> they all they all just got like a few grand or whatever. Right, like, you, know, okay. you get to win the lottery, but so does so do ten other people. Or be like in Bruce Almighty, where everyone in the country wins the lottery. So everyone, everyone wins yeah. like fifty P. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't yep. it? It is. Yeah. So what did you think of the regeneration? Oh, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I remember um, seeing, I think the idea is they recorded four different versions of that regeneration with like increasing levels of emotional intensity. Right. So there's a version in which he's just kind of like, oh, I don't want to go. Mm. Not as flippant as that, but like, you know, he's just like, oh, this is kind of shit. There's the one that we see. <laughs> Yeah, uh, where he's kind of teary-eyed and sort of his his voice is breaking, and then there's mm. a version where he's like proper crying, like really right. bawling. It's like I don't want to go, like freaking right. out, which obviously they, they didn't use. Yeah, um, yeah, I I feel like, and I think it is a it, it's a it's a product of the fact that they had to rush this like additional character stuff with David Tennant. Mm. But yeah, when he's like ranting about having to save Bernard Cribbins, he's like, it's not fair. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I don't want to go. Like, I like being me. This is a tragedy that I'm leaving. It does kind of render him unlikable at possibly the worst time. It really does. Yeah. It feels yeah. very petty. It's like, you're the doctor, mate. You should have learned these lessons. This is... Yes. You're yeah. 900 years old. Or he is, right? 900 plus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it did feel... That's a, I know what they're doing. They were trying to give him like a humanity. Like, oh, you don't expect the doctor to... 
kind of throw his toys out of the pram, but it also felt like you're meant to be above this. You're you're meant to be yeah, kind of a, maybe um, not above an it, ideal principle, but it didn't feel like his Eccleston, Smith, and Capaldi. I would say all of them. They all feel like they're kind of leaving with dignity, like they're saying goodbye mm. to the role and to the show through the scene. If that makes sense. Yeah. Although you I can't wait Eccleston. to discuss Matt Smith's um, regeneration episode. Oh, we'll get to all of that. Yeah. Uh, but like Christopher Eccleston saying, you were great and you know what, so was I. Like, that's clearly yeah. like from the actor as well as the character, yeah. you know? And there's like equivalence with Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi as well. Mm. But David Tennant doesn't have anything like that. No. He's just a moaning little pansy, you know? it go- Yeah, it goes out with a whimper, not a bang. Yeah. yeah you know, it, it is a shame. I mean, yeah, that f- it feels like a single tear moment, if anything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go out with my head held high. Yeah, not yes. this flailing and thrashing and... Especially not the doctor that most would consider seminal, you know, like the doctor. Yes. Um, yeah, they should have uh, always even wanting more. Mm. They shouldn't have done. They shouldn't have done these specials. Yeah. No, they shouldn't have. Alas, they did. Yeah. They did um, do that. So on to series five. Yep. Do you feel at this point now that you're welcoming of the idea of change? What? <laughs> That's kind of a big this question. Is, well, no. <laughs> We'd- I'm obviously talking about. I'm not talking broadly here, Sam. Come on. Now. No, I, I didn't. I didn't know what you meant. And what do you mean? What well, you mean? you've had uh, four seasons and a bit now of Russell T. Davis of uh, Russell T. Davis's writing. Yeah. Uh, you've had a lot of time with David Tennant. You've had the show looking the same way basically since it started. Mm. Like the title sequence as well. That's the last time you're going to see that title sequence. Right. By the way, um, mourn it if you wish. But it's um, yeah, it's all changed from here. Almost like a soft reboot, I would say. Okay. The show feels quite different under Stephen. Yeah, Marcus, well, I have uh, seen the Eleventh Hour before years ago, and mm. my memory of it, yeah, it's very distinct from the stuff I've seen so far. Yes, um, I mean, you, you know, you gotta bear in mind that I'm seeing a series a week. Yeah, um, of this. Well, that's the thing. It's not. I'm. Yes, you haven't been with this for years, but you've seen it in such a short period of time. You're more prone to fatigue, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. So I think it balances out in that sense. Fair enough. Know. But as in, I, I'm not emotionally invested enough. So when you say oh if they're changing everything it's like okay well i only started a month ago so they can ch- yeah. yeah they can do whatever they want sort of thing um fatigue no fatigue hasn't set in it, with the specials it did a little say, bit it really set in for me with the specials yeah well by that point um, it's just like it's not even a full season so you're like all right i just want to get to the next bit now it exactly like stop gap yeah. you know? exactly so in that sense uh yes so like, i'm kind of ready for it to be rebooted now yeah I'm like uh i slog my way through those specials let's Take a breath of fresh air and start again. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose I am open to change. Okay. Is it a thumbs up to the Russell T. Davis era? Would you recommend Doc- this version of Doctor Who? Well, series one was a thumbs up. Yeah. Series two, I think, was a thumbs sideways. I think so. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Series three is a thumbs up. Yeah. Series four, I think, in in total is a thumbs up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the specials. So yes, I suppose, broadly speaking... Russell T. Davis is a thumbs up. I like the writing for the most part. I mean, there is some stinky stuff in there. Yes. But yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have you on side, even if only for a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who is broadly a good thing. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Do you want to make a prediction, Eddie, as to how long it's going to take him to be like completely done with this show? Because I guarantee you, he'll be done uh, I mean, with it before the show's done. Season with him. season six might do it. Um, season seven might do it. But well, any of them could do it. I want to know which one you think <laughs> no, will no. do it. In, in all honesty, if he gets to ten and he still hasn't given up, 
then 11 will do it in about two episodes. Yeah, I don't think it's well, going to I mean, I'm not going to give up, actually. Well, no. You know, like, I will tediously see this thing through now. Like, I will... Oh, yeah. I'll watch yeah. all future Doctor Who as well now. Okay. That's just how I work with television. Right. Like, Whereas this has made now. me realise just how much I don't really like it anymore. Right. If, yeah, if you two... Because you're not watching it either now, are you, George? No. I will watch the uh, Christmas or New Year's, whatever it is that they're doing with the Daleks, but after that, I'm out of it until Jodie Whittaker's gone. Okay, see, I, I'll watch it now even when you won't. Well, you'll have to tell what me. Have done, what that's have gonna you be, done, George? What have you done? That's going to be interesting. What have it? you done? <laughs> Sam asking us if we've seen the latest Doctor Who. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> on, on that world-shattering note, yep. shall we wrap up? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, thank you for listening. Yes. And we will catch you next time. Catch up. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Bye.